Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Hi, welcome to G2 Hardcore, and tonight we have three comic books, and a lot of film news, and a lot of rebirth theories. But first, I want to say hi to Tej. Hey, Tej. Hi, Holly. Hi, everybody. Okay, so Tej saw Suicide Squad. So say you mm-hmm. went through that. You want to take us through the premiere? Who was there? Who we saw? Okay. Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, obviously, this week has been all Suicide Squad stuff, right? Um. They had the New York premiere that was just the the squad, um, squad, um, and then they had the London premiere. I think a day later or two days later, and you know, everybody was hoping that the Justice League would show up, um, and they did. They surprised us. We had you know the entire squad show up, and then we had Ben Affleck. Uh, Henry Cavill, Jason Momoa, and Isra Miller, along with Zack Snyder and Deborah Snyder, um, show up. And Amy Adams did go, but she didn't walk the red carpet. Um, but she was pictured at the event on people's Instagram feeds and, you know, behind the scenes, after party, that sort of thing. Patty Jenkins did go as well because she tweeted that, you know, she watched the movie at the premiere. And, you know, again, a DC movie, I don't know if we're jinxed or what, but people, the critics seem to just want to slaughter DC movies. And, again, I read some of the reviews and they were ridiculous. Like one said, oh, these villains or these people don't have any redeeming qualities. And I'm like, oh, you're talking about a movie about villains and they weren't superheroes. Okay, I see what you mean. You know, it's it's like ridiculous things. It's like bad people doing bad things. Like you don't expect the Joker to rescue a cat from a tree. You expect him to shoot a cat off the tree. You know, that's what you expect from the Joker. Well, um, technically, the Suicide Squad's an anti-hero film because the comics are anti-hero. But the thing about it that, is that, you know, you have anti-hero movies since the 60s. So what are these people's problems? Right. Now, I, I've watched the movie, and at no point in time along this movie, except minus Will Smith's character, right, do they ever sort of say that these people are anti-heroes? They proclaim them as villains. I mean, in the in the trailers, you even have Harley Quinn saying the line, we're bad guys, it's what we do. And the whole reason 
that they go on this suicide mission is because they have bombs in their heads, right? You, they're injected um, with the, you know, the whole suicide squad thing, right? The, Amanda Waller has the tracking devices and bombs in their, embedded in their skulls, right? Right. Or in the, or in the, in the necks, right, basically. And so she sends them on these suicide missions, right, not from free will or because they want to do it. I mean, if I can get a bit spoilerish here, at no point in time do they ever want to be on this mission. Let's put it that way. They all want to get away. They all try to escape. They all try to do everything to do, to get the, um, you know, the the the, the little handheld uh, device that that can activate the bombs. Right. They they all they they try to do everything to get away from this. In the end, yes, they do save the day, but they do it by killing people, right? And they kill the bad guy, right? right. And the, and the thing is, that's what everybody's whole beef or all these critics' beef is with the movie is that these people kill the bad guy. And I'm like, you, you're talking about people like Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang. Um, okay, Katana's not in the, the squad. She's there as protection for Rick Flagg, right? Um, but you, you're talking about El Diablo, and Deadshot and people like this. I mean, Deadshot and he shoots he shoots the bad guy. So people were complaining about a guy named Deadshot shooting someone, and I'm like, seriously? Are you serious? Yes, there is a there is a very prominent reviewer out there. I don't know all these American critics, right? But I've learned from the from the BVS sort of thing run. And there is a very prominent person who has a lot of followers who works for a very high up, um, you know, blogging site and and media people. And he said, Deadshot, shoot someone with no remorse. And I'm like, seriously, the guy's name is Deadshot. And you're complaining about him shooting somebody. And uh, yeah, I, I just don't get it. And you know, when you watch the movie, they do try to make an excuse for the shooting and for the violence. It's like, and the excuse was actually used in the Avengers movie, where they go willy-nilly killing people, slicing throats, you know, bombing people. I mean, Tony Stark literally fires missiles at people. And because they joke and they laugh about it, I think the Avengers get away with it, whereas Spoilers, you know, Harley Quinn uses a line that says, own that shit, you know, own what you are doing. You are doing something that is bad, so own it. And I think that's the big difference is that these villains own that they are bad and they come to accept it. And the Avengers sort of make jokes around it and don't really say, oh, we're killing people. And, but yeah, I don't, I don't. In Avengers, you have heroes shooting people. And in exactly. Suicide Squad, you have villains shooting people. There's a big gap there. There is a very big gap. I mean, people were complaining about the violence level of the Joker. And I'm like, 
are you serious? The Joker is a maniac. If you look at comics, he literally beats to death Jason Todd with a crowbar. And you're now complaining about how violent the Joker is? Because he, because he literally punches somebody, you know, and you can see the blood on his knuckles and stuff. Did they want Cesar Romero or Jack Nicholson to pop in? You know, that's what I think that they want, is that they think DC Comics is suddenly going to change and be like all, um, I, I hate to use this, this word or this phrase, but Silver Age-ish, where they come in and they joke around the whole killing factor or hurting someone factor and things like that. I mean, Jack Nicholson was a very dark joker. I've watched Batman 1989 as an adult, and I'm like, oh, this is a very dark movie. Not only does the Joker kill people, Batman kills people, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, didn't he <laughs> burn um, Jack Palance? And he literally drops one of the henchmen down a bell tower. The guy's dead. Okay? He 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 pours acid onto the Joker's face. That, that's kind of dark. Okay? Um, I don't know about you. This. So and 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 I saw the, you know, the pre before you know everybody else got to see it. I saw the reviewers. And they were just painting it right and left. And I said, it can't be that bad. No, you know what? It is like Batman v Superman all over again. And I'm like, seriously, people? Is there some kind of agenda out there that we will not like Warner Brother movies no matter what? I don't know. You know, yes, it is a dark movie. It's set in that same tonality as Batman v Superman and Man of Steel, right? Where it's it's not dark, it's realistic, right? right? Because if, if you look at the world today, like, we literally had an incident now. We had elections, right? right? And we had an incident where the president was declaring the results of the elections um, free and fair, and he was congratulating because the, the ruling party that, that was there still is in control, right? And these protesters came up, silent protesters, nonviolent, right, um, to protest against um, rape because uh, it's Women's Month in South Africa. I don't know if it's the same worldwide. And they had an, they had an event where they were remembering a supposed rape victim that was raped by the president-elect right now. Oh, great. And he, yeah, he, he was acquitted of all charges, but, you know, under circumstantial, let's just put it that way, right? And so these people had a 10-year a, a memorial for this woman, and the media didn't cover it. So they came up to where this guy, where the president was having his uh, victory speech, right? And they had uh, just cards saying 10 years on, you know, one in three women get raped, remember um, this, this girl's name, right? And that's all they had. And the president's um, security swarmed down on them, pulled the cards out of their hand, and shoved them into this room. It was a very violent, very um, 
graphic scene. And I'm thinking, that's the world we live in. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it's true. Uh, Unfortunately, it's true. The president was laughing about it um, because he was like, you know, these people are... uh, these people are protesting as I'm making a speech. You know, he he didn't know what they were protesting about. And But what I'm saying is the visuals of these big security guys pushing these three women or four women into a room and just silencing them against the protest action, that's the world we live in. It's a dark world. It's a very... And DC take a very realistic tone to that they have always done that you know i think of all the comics i've read they've always taught me a message right right and and it's dc comics that do that i have never read marvel comics as much so i cannot comment on marvel but dc comics for me has always taught me about the world i live in right now right and so for their movies to do that to talk about corrupt politicians and corrupt businessmen, especially in what's going on in America right now with who's running for your presidency. It's a realistic tone. And for the critics to go and bash these movies for, for bringing intelligence into the world, I think is unfair. Suicide Squad is a very deep movie, right? Yes, there is fun Yes, there is jokes. Yes, there is violence, like like you haven't seen in a in a in a DC movie. It's not uh, how can I put it? It's not Quentin Tarantino level violence, right? With blood spraying all over the place, but it is violence. There is, I mean, Harley Quinn carries a bat, you know, a baseball bat all around. Deadshot, yes, has guns. He shoots people. Uh, Captain Boomerang hits people with his boomerang. Um, El Diablo has fire. He burns people. Katana has a sword, so she cuts and slice, slices people. You know, it, it's, it's, that's part of the movie. I don't know if people weren't prepared for that when they went in. I was, you know, with a guy called Deadshot that he has a gun. Um, if you didn't get that, hashtag sarcasm you know, at the critics. But, yeah, it's, I, think, I think there is an agenda out there against DC movies. Um, I think people are very used to the sheltered, spoon-fed, cookie-cutter formula that um, Marvel is doing because I have watched every single Marvel movie and it is very pulled punches at the last minute sort of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I described it as, you know, I, I put out a tweet there and I said, people shouldn't compare movies because you can't compare the Snyder world to the Nolan universe to the Marvel movies. Because right. one is a tiger, one is a lion, and one is a kitten, okay, that's literally how they are. The, a tiger is ferocious. It's real. It's going to kill you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make you think about your life. 
a lion is very sort of this is where the 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 bar is sort of held up to and well a kitten yes you can go and play with it you know yes it might scratch you but you know it's not going to rip your throat out or something and i think yes the side universe is that right but i don't know i prefer my movies to educate me and to make me think rather than to just spoon feed me a plot you know right um now i've only seen fanboy reviews of the movie and they all love it mhm and um you know i watched a couple about spoilers and stuff yeah and um I'm not going to go see the film because I don't like villains, but I will watch it right. without on DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you said that there, at the very beginning, there was a connection to Superman. At the very beginning, I did, and I went in not expecting this at all. Right? Um, it was a completely, it was it completely caught me off guard. There's a connection to Man of Steel. There's a connection to Batman v Superman and a very strong representation of Superman. Uh, I was actually in tears in the first five minutes of this movie because of the respect that they show Superman. Uh, I don't know if this was added because of the criticism from BVS I know there were a lot of reshoots with Suicide Squad. I know there's a lot of editing involved. Uh, you can see it because the movie is very choppy. But um, you can see that they held a lot back. Like, I know there was a scene where Joker slaps Harley and stuff like that that they took out. Um, they tried to make the Harley-Joker relationship look less. What's the word? Um, I don't want to say uh, abusive. Okay, I'll, I'll say abusive. Um, codependent, that's the word. They, they make it look less codependent. And they make it look more like a, like a real relationship. I actually got behind it and believed it a little bit. Until my, you know, my Batman animated series stuff k- kicked in. Right. Uh, but yes, but yes, there is a very strong connection. They are... They establish that it is in this world. It happens right after Batman v Superman. Um, okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Spoiler alert. Okay, tell me. Spo- oh, spoiler alert, must I tell you? Okay. They start off with the funeral to Superman. Did they? Um, yes. And they, they show you the, the whole... Um, you hear in the background the amazing grace on the Scottish bagpipes. Right. They fold the... They fold the flag and then they reveal the S. And uh, you know what? I don't know if you can wait this long to actually see it. Amanda Waller is talking about how um, these metahumans have changed the world. Right. And she says um, the most important thing about metahumans is you have to remember the human part. And she says we got lucky with Superman. He was our savior. He was... He he put it all on the line for us. Right. The next time we might not get lucky, right? And she's pitching this whole task force X to military people. And she says, um, the next time we have to be prepared 
if we don't get Superman, if we get somebody else instead. Right. And as she's walking, as she's walking into this restaurant where she's having this conversation with these people, there's a guy selling Superman shirts, uh-huh. and they're all black. They're all black, and they have the Man of Steel crest on them. Yeah. And then he turns it around, and it says, remember. Oh, cool. In gold. And I was like, it's so, and they never, you know, yes, there's that whole, that, that, there's that one trailer where they say, what if Superman came down at the White House and ripped it off and stole the present? Right. There's, not, there's nothing of that in Amanda Waller's speech. Amanda Waller is praising Superman, and she's like, you know, but we have to prepare for the the opposite because we can't expect all metahumans to be good. Right. And, and you know, that yeah, ripping and, the, the White House roof off is a reference to the Superman uh, Christopher Reeve movie. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they did it in a comic... Um, Kingdom Come, yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's not talk about Kingdom Come. Uh, no, but yeah, it's it's yeah, but it's it's very. Um, I mean, it caught me off guard to the point where I was like, "Oh crap!" You know, I'm not over this. I'm not over Superman dying in Batman v Superman. And when that guy turns the shirt over in slow motion and it just says, remember, I was crying. Um, Kimmy had the same experience. She told me, she watched it before me and she said, carry tissues. I'm like, what do I need to carry tissues for, Kimmy? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it's Suicide Squad. I think I'm going to laugh here. And first five minutes, I'm in tears. Um, My sister's sitting next to me and I... I didn't even know I was so loud. I just said, oh, no, and I gripped my heart. And I was like, because the tears just started coming down. Thank goodness I had 3D glasses to save some of my dignity. Um, But, yeah, it was very sort of, what I love is that it's no question that Superman started this universe. And it's just respect towards, you know, we always say respect the S. And it's just respect towards Superman. And, yeah, I I was happy with that. Very happy. Yeah, I actually heard about the shirt and one of the Mm -hmm. Easter egg spoiler things. But Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize that they went to his funeral. No, yeah, they showed the whole thing. Uh, I mean, it obviously was quick. It was uh, a little bit faster. It was done, like, in 30 seconds. They showed the flyover. And they show is uh, mind you, it's just a military funeral for Superman of 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 obviously it's not for Clark Kent. Um, but you hear the Scottish bagpipes and you see the funeral procession like uh, how they did for JFK, and you see them taking the um, flag off and folding it and revealing the silver S. And I was like, oh, they starting with this? Oh, I I I can't handle this. <laughs> like you know, I, I was just sitting there and like. They pulled one over on me here, and um, but yeah, listen, I am not a fan of villains. You know that, right? Right. I could care less about Harley Quinn, right? I don't, I don't hate the character, but it, she's not my favorite, right? Um, 
the only reason I have a Joker shirt is because it has Batman on it. <laughs> so, yeah, you know. Um, the thing is, I'm not a big villain person. And for me to say I sat back and enjoyed this it is saying something. I wasn't going to go and watch Suicide Squad at all. I was going to wait for DVD like you. I saw the bad reviews and I said, you know what, I have to go and support this DC film because there is no way that this movie is that bad. And it it, it really, really hurts me that a good, honest, fun outing movie is getting such a bad review from people who are, I don't know, butthurt DC didn't in, invite them to the Justice League Whatever. I don't know. Maybe Whatever they, it is. Maybe they want Warner Brothers to invite them to the next film. You know. Probably. Yeah. I think that's it. I, I honestly... I believe me, Holly, when I say it wasn't bad at all, it was actually enjoyable. I, I actually truly mean that. I'm not saying that as a DC fangirl or anything like that. I'm just truly saying this as an unbiased review. It is... I went in not expecting to even like this film, right? And I went and I came out smiling and enjoying myself. I was I laughed, right? Because the jokes were perfectly timed. Uh I got choked up at Wolfsmith's backstory because Floyd Lawton is an anti hero, right? He he is a man who's trying to do good by his family but the only talent he has is to shoot people, unfortunately. Um, And the acting was... I mean, obviously, you have people who are really good actors and who have, you know... I mean, Jared Leto is an Oscar winner. You know, uh, Viola Davis... Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. She's on par with... um, uh, Who played her in, in Smallville? Oh, Pam Greer. Pam, yes, she she's she's that good. I mean, she she makes you think she's like, you know, I I'm not gonna go into spoilers because, yeah. But but what I mean is is you know she it's it's a really good twist at the end. Um, I think the villain is good as well. The the ultimate bad guy. Uh. And yeah, I think the Joker was good, and I don't really like the Joker. I think Harley Quinn was fantastic. I I was smiling at all the Easter eggs that they put in there for comic book fans, right? Um, because there is some iconic, um, comic book imagery that will just make you sort of smile. And I was like, like even you know. Even that, that that whole scene with the black shirts and the Superman S, that that's a callback to nineteen ninety three, you know, when they gave us the black bands in and the black cover Superman book, you know. And some guy was selling um, Superman shirts to support his family. Yeah, exactly. And so that's you know, it, it it's true fan service but also a really good movie. So, um, out of five stars, what would you give it? 
Out of five, I'd give it four. Oh, cool. Because I think there is some plot holes, but I think that isn't because of the movie. I think it's whoever is, you know, I told this to Kimmy, I said, whoever the schmuck is in DC or Warner, Warner Films that edits these movies needs to be fired because it is choppy, it is changing, it is, you can see that this is not the director's vision, like how when you watch the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman, you're like, well, why didn't you include this in there? You know, and you can, right. and now that I've seen BVS and I've seen this so quickly together, I can see it's the same person that must have edited it or sitting in the editing room and said, oh, cut this scene out. This, this isn't important, you know, and it's probably pivotal, like, you know, uh, KGB torching the people and that's how they framed Superman. Why did you cut that out, you idiot? Um, but yeah, it, it, that's the only complaint I have is that it's very choppy. And you can see, it, it's like you can see something was cut out. So yeah, that's why I'd give it four. Okay. So I mm-hmm. have some questions in there. Uh, might spoilery? Uh-huh, right. Because I've only seen reviews and Easter eggs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a controversy with one of the reviews. They had four dudes yeah. there who had seen the movie. And the one dude said, on Harley Quinn's information, uh, yeah, on Harley Quinn's information, apparently there's a moment in the film where they have like a dossier on Harley Quinn. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not up there for everybody to read line by line, but it kind of flashes up there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I assume. Is that correct? Yeah, what it is, is the way they, they do the backstories, because there's so many characters to get through, Right. they do it in uh, a flashback, and Amanda Waller is doing a voiceover, and then you see it being enacted. Okay. So. And then they'll do, they'll do what they did is they paused on the person, and they did this, like, dossier on the side that you could read. Yeah. Okay. So this guy claims he saw on Harley Quinn's dossier that she killed mm-hmm. Robin. Uh it's it's not killed Robin. It's it says expert at um Robin infestation or something like that. It's it's basically what the dossier is is puns on what they've done. Like Deadshot, you know, it it just says expert uh, marksman, and then it and then it has in brackets always hits always hits the mark, um, because that's his like tagline, right? He always hits his mark, right? And then it just like slots like all this weaponry that he's he's you know famous for using and stuff, and it's like ridiculous, like this ridiculous amount of weaponry and stuff, and it's basically. Um, it's like puns on what they've done. Okay, so it, it said something about Robin, so did it kind of trigger, say, what did she have to do with Robin's demise? Well, uh, it just says expert in Robin infestation. So, you know, it, it doesn't say she's killed a Robin. It, it, may, it could hint towards, uh, because... Joker does have a 
a tattoo of a robin um, where, where there's a knife through its heart. So, and obviously we've seen in Batman v Superman that there's a robin that's being killed, right? Right, right. Um, and what it is is that I'm trying to remember how many years. See, Amanda Wallace says that she and Joker, you know, they go through the whole thing. She was a psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum, and um, Joker manipulated her into, you know, falling in love with him and that sort of thing. Uh, very true to uh, if you read Mad Love by Paul Dini and, and um, Bruce Tim. Very true to her origins. Um, and then it just says that, you know, for years, she just says for like years, they were the king and queen of Gotham. So it could mean that, um, and if you look at the animated series history, she does help Joker to uh, kill a Robin. Quote, unquote, to kill a Robin. So, ah. Because in the animated history, um, what they do is they kidnap Tim Drake and they basically turned him insane. And um, and then it was it was unclear if they killed him or or what. And then you had to watch Batman Beyond, which is the one set in the future, where you find out that they created him to be um, Joker and Harley's son to take over the the empire and basically to hurt Batman. So, um, Flash. Has a Flash has a cameo. Yes. Now, <laughs> according to it was the best everybody, thing. they said you know Zach obviously directed that scene because yes. yeah. Zach was in London as was the Flash, and mm-hmm. Suicide Squad was filmed in L.A. But yeah, would Zach also be able to take credit for the funeral? Uh well obviously yes a hundred percent he I think Zack Snyder directed two scenes in this because right. um there's the funeral scene and the flash scene which a lot of people didn't catch but yes I caught that I guess a lot of people didn't want to didn't want to spoil the Superman thing which is so weird to me I'm like of the one spoiler that's the one you can give away because people know Superman died you know it's not this big secret um. But, yeah, that's the one spoiler people haven't been talking about. And be- you know why? Because it paints Superman in a positive light. And it paints him as this hero of Earth who sacrificed his life for us. And I think they just don't want to give that, that positive point to BVS. Well, I mean, the, the fanboys did. They were like, although the one guy's like, I don't like the way they handled it. And I'm like, shut up, He's ding dong, you know. No, they handled it beautifully. I was yeah. crying. So, um, yeah. So, <clears throat> um, so I'm kind of curious. I, I will, I will more say so than I was before. I'm still gonna wait. For I you. will say, I will say, I'm so looking forward to Israel Miller's Flash because this cameo that he's in, he's like so. He's like, you know, hey, Boomy, I caught you. And then he catches Boomerang, and obviously because if you don't know, Captain Boomerang, like, the Flash's, you know, 
villain sort of thing. Yeah, he is. Um, Flash is not, uh, not, he's not Arrow's. No. Yes. A lot of people were, people were like, oh, isn't Captain Boomerang from Arrow? And I'm like, please do not mention that show in no, presence. Ruined so much. That show ruined Captain Boomerang. A, I think Jai Courtney made me a Captain Boomerang fan. If you don't laugh at everything he says and everything he does, you have no heart, you have no soul. Uh, the fun was taken out of your life and you're just sort of like wandering through the streets. Um, I will say I'm really looking forward to the Justice League movie just to see Flash. Oh my goodness, you know, it's like I want to see Flash because that scene was just so epic. And I watched it in 3D because we didn't have choice of, uh, it was just being shown in 3D. Okay. Um, And... The flash running into you and seeing the speed force around you, it was amazing. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I assume the Batman scenes were fantastic. Yes. I have to say, you know, I've always been a fan of, of Ben Affleck. I did, I, um, I didn't understand his Batman in Batman v Superman. I was like, uh, you know, dude, why are you tr- why are you scratching up my Henry Cavill face? Why are you punching him? Why are you doing this, dude? Just sit down, stop being Frank Miller's Batman. Um, but this is not Frank Miller's Batman. Right. There is one scene. There is one scene that shows me Ben Affleck can be an iconic. Batman, mm-hmm. because um, it, it's it's with Deadshot, and I don't know if it's, I mean, you know him and Will Smith have this, this wonderful friendship sort of thing, and they have, and they, I don't know if this is like the first time they've been on screen, but um, I'm pretty sure they've been in a movie before. Anyway, it's just, it's Batman. Let me put it to you that way. It's that guy who his family was killed in an alleyway and he sworn to protect Gotham and to protect and to protect the innocence in Gotham. And that's the Batman you see in here. Um, there's even a scene where he rescues Harley Quinn after the Joker leaves her for dead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he punches Harley Quinn, but she did attack him with a knife. So, you know, and it's not like, you know, he beat her up or anything. He just sort of knocks her out, like a karate chop sort of thing. You know, to just like knock her out. And then he takes her to, and he doesn't put her in the trunk of the Batmobile. There's this huge rumor going around that he puts her in the trunk of Batmobile. Not true. He puts her in the, in the, in the passenger seat. Um, yes, he does give her mouth to mouth because she was underwater and she was drowning. So unless, you know, you have some special other thing, Mr. Critic, that you, you know how to, you know, revive people who have been underwater, uh, Harley kisses Batman, not the other way around. Um, yeah. yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> cool. Now, some... uh, but yeah, it's a very good Batman. Now, I've heard I, some I of the Suicide see... Squad die in this. 
Uh, two people, yes. One was, they didn't even give him a backstory. I, I still don't know. Um, can I spoil it for you? I don't think you're very attached to this. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody members. was because he's, no. he's like the he dies, red shirt guy. Yeah, he dies in the first, like, five minutes of their mission. Um, and it's Slipknot. Um, I, I still, they just, they, this, this, this is literally how they introduce Slipknot. Comes out of a car and Amanda Wallace says, oh, that's Slipknot. Oh, no, not, not even Amanda Waller, Rick Flagg. Rick Flagg says, that's Slipknot, the guy who knows how to rope things. And I'm like, seriously? That, 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 that's his backstory? <laughs> like, everybody else, like everybody else gets scenes, right? As their backstory, you see Captain Boomerang robbing a bank and the Flash stopping him. Oh, and they called him the Scarlet Speedster. I was so happy. Um, you know... That's how you you're introduced. You see Harley Quinn and the Joker in Arkham Asylum. That's how she's introduced. With Slipknot, is just he he knows how to use ropes. And I'm like, oh, I he can climb. Okay, from, wow. I didn't get that from his name, <laughs> you know. Oh, he can use ropes. Wow, that's so cool. Bam, gone. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> okay, bye, Slipknot. Did you have any lines? I can't remember. Um, the other death, I will say though, I'm not gonna spoil that. That wa- that did hit you hard because you sort of grow to like these little misfits along the way, right? And then you're like, and then you're like, oh no, but he was trying to redeem himself, and then he dies. And- I mean, he can't redeem himself from what he's done, but he's trying to do the right thing, you know, and then he dies, and you're like, oh, man, can you bring him back? Comics. You know, we're dealing with magic now, and can you bring him back? Maybe, oh, man, you know. Um, But, yeah, it, it was... I didn't, okay, let me just put it to you this way. The only time I cried during this movie was in the Superman scene, but I still felt sorry for them. Let's put it that way. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they, that's the only Suicide Squad members that die. Everybody else is still alive at the end of the day. Um, so, okay. There is an after-credit scene. Stay, stay, oh, okay. stay till the end, yeah. Um, can I can I give it away because it's on the internet so people can go and look it up. Oh, okay. um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the after credit scene, I literally jumped out of my seat and I was clapping. Um, it's between Amanda Waller and Bruce Wayne, and Amanda Waller is basically effed up after this whole Task Force X thing because there's a huge hole in Midway City, right? Nobody, nobody's dead. Nobody died. The city was evacuated. But there's a huge hole there, right? You can't cover that up. Um, no pun intended. Can't cover up the hole. Um, and so she's sitting with Bruce Wayne. And uh, Bruce, is, Bruce tells her, I can offer you protection if you give me what I need. 
and then she ha- and then she's like okay and she hands him this this top secret file and he flips through it and it's and it's two members of the Justice League that they show and it's basically the Flash and Aquaman which leads into that whole uh trailer that we got from Comic-Con right because he goes to see Flash and Aquaman oh. and and then there's like this little sort of tune that uh, I'm guessing will be like the Justice League theme, but it's very soft. But the, the thing is, I figured it out after the movie why the movie was so loud for me. It was because I was sitting under a speaker um, and I was like, why is my seat vibrating? Oh, okay, there's this big thing here. Uh, so apparently I heard stuff that other people didn't hear. So, yay. Um, And then Amanda Waller tells him, Mr. Wayne, you look tired. You shouldn't be spending so many long nights. And then he turns at her and he gives her those Batman stare and he's like, and then he uses his Batman voice and he's like, well, not his Batman Batman voice. He's got this gruff voice and he says, you shut it down. I'll shut it down for you. And I'm like, ooh, okay, all right. There's Batman. Um, but yeah, Bruce Wayne makes me laugh. There are going to be so many memes of Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne because he tells Amanda Waller, I want to make friends. And I'm like, seriously, you were scratching up Henry Cavill's face in Batman. Now you want to make friends? And then when he's leaving, he's like, shut, shut, shut Task Force X down or shut it down for you. Me and my friends will shut it down for you. I'm like, dude, Aquaman's throwing you against the wall. He's not your friend just yet. Maybe the Flash, because the Flash needs friends. But Aquaman's not your friend just yet, Batman. Calm down, calm down. And But yeah, it was a huge tease towards the Justice League. And I was just fangirling there because I was like, yay, Justice League, Justice League. Yeah, I was yeah, very which, excited. Which comes out next year. Now, one of the things I asked you, because hmm. Man of Steel had... Smallville actors and one of them <laughs> who played Emil Hamilton on the Smallville show was in a scene with the guy who was playing Emil Hamilton on MOS. And I'm sitting there going, there's two Emils! And <laughs> when I saw the trailer, uh, there's this guy having dinner with Amanda Waller, and I went, it's Rick Flagg! Yes. So... <laughs> Did the Rick Flags, were they in a scene together? Uh, I think we can officially call it like the passing of the torch thing, uh-huh. where they're doing like from Smallville, they're passing on the torch to the, the DC films, right? Because, okay. yes, Rick Flag and Rick Flag face off against each other. They have a bit of a staring contest, and then they turn away, and then they let Amanda Waller talk. Um, but yes, they they do share a very very short scene with each other. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Rick Flag from Rick Flag from Smallville plays a uh, I don't know if it, he's a he's a he's a representative to the White House for the Army sort of thing, and he's pitching the Task Force X to the Army General Duke. So. Was there any other Smallville actors in in the movie that you recognized? Not not that I would recognize because a lot of people were 
I mean, other than the main characters, there's no other characters. So, and just by the way, Scott Eastwood, you could have told us who your character was. He was a nobody. He was literally called GQ. And I'm like, like the magazine? Gentleman Quarterly? I don't know. Yeah, are they saving him for another film or... Well, he survived. So maybe, you know, maybe they... I mean, GQ can stand for anything, you know. Um, I don't know if he's going to be like a... Because a lot of people said that... And I tried to go and find it, but I couldn't. Um, There was a behind-the-scenes... You know, one of those, like... Uh, set photos that that people take, like fans, not 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 that one that's released by Warner Brothers or anything. And a lot of people said that they saw him with a Trevor badge on his army outfit. So, like I don't know if no, like like Steve Trevor, because like you know where you put your surname, you know you get a little right. Uh, yeah, so because oh. I'm on the, Yeah. So we've got a Steve so, Trevor in the past being played by Chris Pine. Yeah. And so you're. It's possible he's a Steve Trevor in present day. He could be, yes. He could be a descendant of Steve Trevor because Steve Trevor um, canonly has a sister, right? And also a brother. So. And he, you know, there, there were other. What, what's the word? Elseworlds, where uh, Steve Trevor's sort of nephew comes along, and he's like, he looks exactly like Steve Trevor did in the 1940s. So I don't know if they're going that route. I don't know if if this um, Scott Eastwood was a Trevor because I didn't see his name. It, it they literally just called him GQ. So, and I think in the credits, I tried to look at the credits. You know who the heck did Scott Eastwood play? Because it was like such a mystery, right? And it was literally Lieutenant GQ, and I'm like, huh? That's his name, GQ. That's all you're giving us? I mean, well, okay, for the and flash, right there is a hint that. He's something more than just a nobody. Exactly. Right? But I'm like, he could have said, oh, I played GQ. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't, I, I don't, I, I, listen, Scott Eastwood's a big up-and-coming actor. Right. And, and of course, you know, his lineage in, in Hollywood doesn't, you know, not help him. Yeah. Uh, the, he, he does. Yeah, the fanboy said, oh, the reason he was in the film is because the director likes Clint Eastwood. And I'm like, that's, no. that's not the reason to be casting his kid, you know. No, 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 yeah, yeah. He was a, definitely an important character. He wasn't just, like, written in. He's Rick Flagg's right-hand man. Let's put it that way. Okay, so, so he he was a Steve Trevor type then? Very much a Steve Trevor type, okay. yeah. He's very much the, uh, I've got your back. I will go in to war with you. Rick Flag because Rick Flag is his superior, right? And you know he's like you know brothers in arms sort of thing, right? And so 
So basically, you know, because Chris Pine only gets to play, I would think, only gets to play uh, Steve Trevor in the past in World War One. Right. And the reason mm-hmm. I think, you know, and this is just me talking, the reason I think they didn't do World War Two is because mm-hmm. of Captain America. Yes, I, I think exactly the yeah. same. So. So. And also, also I think World War One is a bit more. Um, I mean, it was the first world war, right? And it was a it was a very harsh time, and I think adding Diana to a very harsh time where she's a very soft and caring and loving character who practices forgiveness. Um, you know, I I you know, Superman practices a second chance. Diana practices forgiveness, right? And Bruce practices vengeance, right? right? And or at least that's how I view the Trinity, and so I think World War Two to to sort of contrast that, um, and also in World War Two, women played a much bigger role, I would say, and so you know as opposed to World War One. So I would say, you know, to introduce this really powerful woman into this man's world, literally, would. It's sort of a very, I think they're going for very contrasting things. But I also think it's because Captain America did World War Two. Yeah. So, if Scott Eastwood, now technically he mm-hmm. didn't play Steve Trevor. No. He played yeah, he just played okay. GQ. Yeah. So, if he is indeed Steve Trevor, mm-hmm. then... A C Trevor, okay. Yeah. Does that mean in Justice League Diana meets him? I don't know, because Scott Eastwood's still in London for unknown reasons. Oh so because, really? Because yeah, because Okay, I, I think we're on to something here. As soon as I I saw his name was like a literal unknown character. Right, because if you Google GQ DC Comics, the only thing that pops up is every GQ cover, and as in Gentleman's Quarterly that the DC people have done. Uh, it was a very nice excursion. Thank you, Google Images. But um, yeah, there is no character called Lieutenant or whatever or Sergeant. I, I can't remember what his his um, rank was. I don't know which is higher, lieutenant or sergeant. I'm not an army girl. Um, But he's like an unknown character. Nobody knows who he is. And I mean, they... they... If you look at it this way, okay, Mm -hmm. Wonder Woman is the prominent female, right? Right. She has to have a prominent male. True. Who... And that whole male-female thing is explored, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's not just, you know, all the female qualities are with her and all the male qualities are with him. But he's a man's man. Steve Trevor's a man's man in the best Mm -hmm. way possible. Remember when we talked about Wonder Woman, was it last week? And I said, this is a man. You know, he Mm -hmm. has feelings. He's compassionate. You know, but he's still a man. He still does yeah. high stuff. 
okay? And, you know, lately everybody's like, oh, you know, guys are, no. You want men, okay? Men are okay, yeah. all right, sometimes. And they're not all rapists and misogynists and all that stuff. Sometimes no, they're yeah. really you know, guys. So, and so I I think we're on to something here. I think he definitely. So what? Why wouldn't he be in Justice League? I don't know. He could very well be in Justice League because he doesn't die. Right. <laughs> you know he he walks away at the end of the movie. Um. Yeah, he's limping, but that's cool. You know, shake it off. He, yeah. He, you know, he, he'll be fine. Been long. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, he he was just like. Hey man, we we did good, you know. But, <laughs> you know, for people who say, well, you know, DC doesn't know what they're doing, Warner Brothers doesn't know what they're doing. Boom! Hello, we could have the present day Steve Trevor introduced in Suicide Squad. I mean, you said that this was a very connective movie. It connected even more so than. Batman v Superman. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, because there is call signs back to Man of Steel. There is call signs back to Batman v Superman, and then it establishes this world. You know, right? Basically, what I think this movie was was an introduction to a new Joker who may appear in Batman. Right. Um. It was an introduction to other villains, like Captain Boomerang, who may appear in Flash. Right. And what it was, it was also an establishing movie for Amanda Waller, who we know plays a huge role in um, DC Comics. Right. Right? Argus and everything. Um, and what it is was more was the introduction to or let's just say pushing DC comics movies into a comic book world where magic exists because there's a lot of magic mysticism and like the whole time I was saying well Superman couldn't fight this fight he'd be right it's a good thing you know, he's, he's dead so yeah a yeah he's still dead b you know a magic everywhere right right um which is one of his weaknesses. Right. Um, so that's what I think it is prominently bringing into the world, is full-on comic bookness. Right. Well, and, you know, you know, if there's so much... We, the Clark's weakness to magic has not been addressed in the films yet. Right. We've We've had... I mean, obviously, this is a new Superman, right? So each movie and each sort of step has introduced something different. We've right. had his now weakness to kryptonite and right. lead, especially in the ultimate edition that was cut out, you fool, at the editing table. Um, <laughs> I tell you, I meet the person that... Because, you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. but we, we've had, you know, stripping away at the armor of showing that he's all-powerful. Right. And so magic, right, could be the next step. Right. Because obviously we're introducing uh, in the next movie, 
will be Wonder Woman. She's all about magic, right? She's made from magic. Yeah, Yeah, she's made from magic, right? uh, I think they are definitely 100% doing the clay birth thing. Yeah. Because the the trailer sort of just says, Zeus brought me to life. Yeah, and, you know, it's that. Then give me life. No, no, because I think, you know, if early Wonder Woman, yeah, they were mostly female gods who gave her gifts and stuff, but, I mean, why couldn't Zeus give her a gift, too? Right, because I remember the Wonder Woman animated movie, right, Uh, which was done by Gail Simone, and she knows more more about Wonder Woman than me. Right. Um... Zeus and Hera give the um, Amazons Themyscira. And when Diana is brought to life, right, her mother carves her, her figure out of the clay from the, the beach sand and stuff. And she holds up this baby figure to the sky and she says, this is all I ever wanted, right? And lightning strikes the baby, the clay figure and then the clay melts away in the rain to reveal a baby. So I only know one Greek god that controls lightning. Yeah. Which is Zeus. Right. So, yeah. It's the spark. Yeah. It's yeah. the spark. Yes. So, uh, I want everybody to remember that Jeff Johns didn't become really involved with the film. You know, he's president and COO now. Um, yes. He didn't become involved with the film till Wonder Woman. Okay. Very true. Yes. And so, um, you know, Jeff is very much about history, continuity, character building, making sure that these characters are who people expect them to be. Okay. And that mm-hmm. doesn't pigeonhole them in any way. You can really flesh them out, you know, and that type of thing. So, um, Wonder Woman's the next film, right? And that comes out, what, June 2017? June 2017, I believe it's the second. It's moved up to the first week in June. Now, let's just put it, let's just put it this way. There's 300 days left from today to Wonder Woman. Okay. And then Justice League comes out in November. November 17th. Yeah, two, uh, of 2017. Yes. Okay, so so we'll be looking definitely looking forward to those. Oh, hell yeah. If I could book my tickets now, I'd be booking my tickets now. <laughs> like, let me pre-order, please. <laughs> Can we pre-order my, 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 my nice seat, please? Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah, I let's just put it this way. I like Suicide Squad so much, I might go see it again. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that from a lot of people because they said it's the kind of movie that you know you can you can watch it and enjoy it, but then there's so much stuff in it that you like. Oh, I missed that. Oh, I'm gonna have to see it again. You know, so much stuff. Yeah, so much stuff. I'm a very observant person when it comes to movies, um, because I generally don't like to go and watch a movie twice in the cinema. I think it's a waste of money. Um. Says the girl who watched Batman v Superman eight times. Yeah, excuse me. Um, yes, that was not a waste of money. That was pure enjoyment in my life. Um, 
But no, you need to watch Batman v Superman like at least ten times to absorb everything that happened in it. Yeah. Then the ultimate cut comes out, yeah. and you're like, I need to watch it 50 more times. Why is this thing three hours long? Oh, my God, is it 5 o'clock in the morning already? I don't Okay. Three, it doesn't seem like three hours long. Okay, and can we talk? Excuse me, Warner Brothers. Lord of the Rings movies were how long? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the... Bollywood is one of the most successful cinematic people out there, okay? Four hours is not even breaking a sweat, okay? Yeah, but okay. I mean, you know, so didn't Lord of the Rings come through Warner Brothers? Yes. It was three... Uh, the first one was... Let me get the run times. Let me get the run times. Let me, let me be... They were accurate. well over three hours. They were boring as hell as well. I was like, Wait, they still have to do this because I read the book. So I was like, oh, my God, Peter Jackson, you are dragging this movie. Um, you know, they all have those epic battles that lasted, what, five minutes apiece, you know? and It was just walking. It was like a yeah. tourism advert for New Zealand. Well done. <laughs> but in case you didn't see the piano, <laughs> I did Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Um, run times. No, not the Hobbits. No. No, I didn't even see the Hobbit. I saw the three Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fellowship of the Ring was a hundred and seventy-eight minutes. Okay, that's oh. Okay, so that's over three hours. Because nine over three. Wait, wait, no, wait, wait. Yeah. One hundred and eighty is three hours. And that so was it's what? Just shy. It's 178. So it's oh, two minutes two short minutes. for yeah. two minutes short for three. Hold hold on. Uh the next one was two hundred and eight minutes. Holy crap, oh. that's another almost half an hour. Yep, yep. And the last one was two hundred and twenty three minutes long. Wow. Yeah. And they're crying about Batman v Superman being three hours? Seriously? And then there's a, then there's a director's cut. I've never watched this one. I never will. Yeah. It's 251 minutes. Oh, and let me that's like a math. That's four cinema. hours. This goes, 240 minutes would be four hours. So two, uh, four hours and ten minutes, give or take. Wow, yeah, 211 minutes, wow. Well, you know what, Warner Brothers, you could bring back the intermission because, I mean, people are used to watching movies at home and they pee, they have to pause and pee. So yeah. mm-hmm. you could bring back the intermissions at the theater and everybody would be rushing for the bathroom. Which is yeah, nice. I mean. Because then they don't have to miss any of your movie. Yeah, and, they, you know, they even give you a reminder. As well, they over the intercom, they'd say, if you're in this movie... I mean, I know that's how they do it with Bollywood movies, right? Uh, because I watch a lot of Bollywood movies. And they have inter- um, Bollywood movies. Yes, they have a half an hour intermission or a 15-minute intermission. Right. They tell you beforehand, right? There's a little countdown timer on the on the thing. It'll say intermission, countdown timer. And then you're like, okay, I've got 15 minutes to go and pee. Let me run to the bathroom, Right. Right. Uh, and then, and then, 
if you book premier seats, then you got your own special bus, and then you run there like a crazy person, you pee, and you come back. Um, but yeah, you know, and you can always get more snacks and stuff, more money for your local theaters. Hello. And you know, I've never seen anyone complain about a Bollywood movie. No. Um, and the theaters show them, like in South Africa, I know we have you know well over five million Indians living here. And so they show them countrywide, right? Right. And they start a little earlier so that they can get that extra show in. They start at half past eight in the morning, and then the last show, I think, is half past ten. Right. Right? So which will carry you forward into the into the midnight sort of thing. Well, um, uh, past midnight if it's a four-hour movie. <laughs> past midnight if it's Jada Akbar, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's what I'm saying is that they know, okay, this movie is so long, so we make it longer. I mean, you've had really long movies come out from Warner Brothers. Wolf of Wall Street was three hours and two minutes. Um, and that movie did incredibly well. It did. I mean, nobody actually wanted to go and watch it, and because it was so long. But then they found out it was so good, and it did like five hundred million, right? So I don't see if if peop, if Warner Brothers came out with um, Argo was a long movie as well it was two hours almost almost three hours uh, which was, which is a Ben Affleck Warner Brothers movie you know what I'm saying is if you t- if the movie is better in a three hour cut show that to the people right. Because you're go- if you're not gonna get bad reviews, you're not gonna get yeah, things like forward. Hello. Yeah, and I mean, I honestly think that whole editing thing ruined the theatrical version of Batman v Superman. I still stand oh, yeah. by. I still stand by that the theatrical version. When I saw it twice in one day, right? I was. It was a fantastic movie because I could follow it along. And I asked my mom, right? She's not a comic book, like, aficionado, right, or anything. She just knows who the characters are, right? And she's watched Man of Steel. And so I asked her, before we watched the Ultimate Edition, did you find Lex Luthor's plot complicated? She says, what could be complicated about it? He sets up Superman in Africa. He sets up Batman to go and get the kryptonite. He makes them fight because he kidnaps Martha. He doesn't count on them both having the same mother's names, which I think was genius, right? He doesn't count on Batman seeing Superman is human, right? And he doesn't count on them being friends, but he has a contingency plan of Doomsday. And so then he creates Doomsday, but Lois Lane gets all the information on him, so she sends him to whichever prison he went to. And, you know, obviously Superman ended up dying because he had to save the world, and he converts Batman to see... And I'm like, well done, you gave me the perfect rundown of the movie. You know, because, I mean, that's like a person who doesn't know anything about comics, and she gave me a perfect rundown of what happened in the movie. Right. And... She's like, I was a bit confused with the flash scene 
because I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> That's so but, smart. <laughs> uh, but she says, I guess what happened is Batman had a premonition of the future. I don't know how. And then the Flash told him, if Lois isn't kept safe, then this will happen. So right. keep Lois safe. Yep. Uh, but yeah, she says like, that. I don't know how the Flash came back in time. Did he run really fast? I said, that's too complicated. I'll explain later. She's like, but yeah, the Flash came back to warn him. Okay, cool. It's comic books. Go with the flow, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't see what people say was so complicated about it. It wasn't. It was, you know. Actually, I would like to see the other three hours that they shot. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I mean, there is, Nicholas, Nicholas it was a six-hour yeah. thing. People would spend yes. the whole day in the theater. They'd bring lunch, you know, and so why couldn't... Uh, yes, there is the six-hour version. Yeah, there is a six-hour version that the cast got to see. Um, I, Like, I wish I was dating, like, I don't know, Henry Cavill so I could just go and see that cut, yeah. Not just to date Henry Cavill, just to go and see the six-hour cut because he took his family in. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, just to see the six-hour cut, I would, like, pay good money. I would be like, where is it, Zach? Slide him a $5 bill. Give it to me. Give so it there to is me, a six-hour version. There is a six-hour version that is edited with uh, graphics and everything. It's not like... You know, the green screen or whatever. It's a proper edited version that could be shown at cinema or could be released on DVD, considering, you know, Lord of the Rings released a five-hour version. Give me the six-hour version of Batman v Superman. Yeah, really. Okay, so something happened this week. Um, We haven't been reading Batman no, yes, I feel like such an started. idiot. <laughs> and I was reading this article. Uh, they inter- they were interviewing Tom King, who's doing Batman. Mm-hmm. And um, they said that Psycho Pirate showed up in Batman number two. And they're on Batman number four, I believe. Um, and I was mm-hmm. like, Psycho Pirate? Really? Mm. So I went, yeah. when I was home, I talked to my son, and I said, you know, they're bringing Psycho Power, Pi- Pirate into Batman, and he was in Superman books. What's going on? He goes, well, you know, Psycho Pirate was very prominent in Crisis on Infinite Earth. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so, so, you know, and I looked at him, and I said, I'm going to have to read Crisis on Infinite Earth, all of it, instead of just the Superman parts. Because, yes! Yeah, Crisis on Infinite Earth, I will read one day in in full when I have time. I mean, maybe in, I'm looking at my calendar, uh, maybe in November. I'll, I'm free in November, yeah. But by that time, there might be all kinds of stuff that happens. You know, there'll be so much stuff that's happening. I'll be like, Holly, <laughs> what's happening? Yeah, well, who's this? <laughs> because you told me Psycho Pirates in in 
Crisis on Infinite Earth. First, I had to decipher what Holly meant by C O I E. Yeah. And I'm like, Coin? 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 On like, Infinite Earth. Okay. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh, Crisis on Infinite Earth. Okay. And, um, yeah, I, didn't, I did not know that. Yeah. So, Crisis on Infinite Earth was 1985 through 86. It was written by Marv Wolfman and drawn by George Perez. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, there's 12 issues. Now, mm-hmm. this is where they took the multiverse and made it into one verse. Because... Mm-hmm. Basically, they had not only Earth-1, which was then the Silver Age, Bronze Age characters, mm-hmm. and also the Golden Age characters, which they called Earth-2. But they Thanks. had accumulated all these other characters, like uh, Quality Comics, which got, I think, ate up by um, Charlton before DC ate up Charlton. Uh, <laughs> so... You know, they had all these characters, you know. And that's what Crisis on Infinite Earth did. They had some, like, Charlton was on um, Earth 4. Not Earth numeral 4, but F-O-U-R. Um, <laughs> Quality Comics was on a different Earth, um, you know. And so I thought, oh, my gosh. You know, and I went, we went through all this whole thing where I thought, Mr. Oz was the hooded one who was uh, Johnny Thunder's, or the Thunderbolts, I'm sorry, not Johnny Thunder, the Thunderbolts, Peter Cannon's nemesis, okay, because he had Mm -hmm. a green cloak and, you know. But then there was a character created for Crisis on Infinite Earth. His name was Pariah. Mm -hmm. He also wore a green cloak. Now, there was a book published, Four years after uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth, it was written by Marv Wolfman, and I wish my computer wouldn't do that to me so I could tell you about it. Anyway, it it was an issue of Legends of the DC Universe. Hold on. Mm-hmm. And it was Crisis on Infinite Earth, number one. Okay. Okay. So this issue uh, talks about what happens during and after issue number four of, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earth, 1985-1986. Okay, so I'm reading along, you know. I read, I was reading it first because it's one issue, right? And I thought, well, maybe, you know, there'll be something in here before I go and mm-hmm. try to tackle. And it's called The Untold Story. So, it's, you know, even more information. Now, so I'm going down through here. And um, uh, Barry Allen is the second Flash, as we all know. The first Flash was Jay Garrick. But mm-hmm. he was the prominent Flash during this period because in that that's he was Silver Age. So um, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in this thing. But so I'm going down through, and it's the anti-monitor. Now, we've seen the anti-monitor in Justice League, right? Yes. And yes. Um, New 52. Yeah. Yes, New 52. And so, basically, Psycho Pirate is his minion. Oh, okay. And Psycho Pirate is the master of emotions. 
Now, what did we complain about in the New 52? No emotion, no characterization. Right. Dead, hollow people. <laughs> right. So there's a scene. Okay, so Pariah, who wears a green cloak, his mm-hmm. first is to witness um, the death of each world at the moment of its death. So just oh, ouch. Before, okay. Yeah. So just before a world ends, right, Pariah mm-hmm. shows up and he has to witness it. That's like his. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Oh, one one second. I just want to put. What is like Pariah's power thing? Like, he doesn't really have power. I mean, he can. Okay, he can move through dimensions apparently because he's a. Ah. Uh, uh, refers to him. He says, "You dare speak to me of that dimension-spanning fool, Pariah." And. Ah. Uh, okay. So I think I know. Okay, if I'm gonna do like um. He's like the herald of the anti-monitors. Let's put it that way. No, not like really. He, like he, he, no, like it, okay. It, no, he's not working for the anti-monitor at all. He's just this guy. <laughs> cursed he to just, watch. He just he, hangs out. He just hangs out with the anti-monitor. Well, he, it's like, it's like he, I don't know. He doesn't really have control over it. All of a sudden, boom! Now he's on this Earth. Okay, so the first Earth you see him on in this uh, legend. Well, if if I can just. One second there. Um, there is actually, you see why I'm asking is because there's actually um, an interesting Hindu mythology about that, where that we believe in multiple, little, sorry, my tongue got twisted there. We believe in, in, multi, uh, in the multiverse, right? right. That, that we're not the only um, world in existence. And Right, and if you, if you actually read Bible and Revelations, they're, you know, it's the same deal. Right, and I think most religions do believe in, in that. And so anyway, there's actually a um, a person who goes around who has to um, document the, the death of a world. So that's their curse and their um, gift is that they document this world, like let's just say Earth 3, for example. They are transported there automatically, and they take the documentation down of this world. And so they have to, they're, they're called like in, in Hindu mythology, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, it they're, they're like the witness that bears witness to, like you know how you have to witness a marriage or a death in, in right. real life? Right. This person witnesses the death of a planet. So I'm just, it's very interesting to me because of that. And, you know, comics will do that. They'll pull from, you know, different things. And, you know, it's really kind of cool the way they do it. So anyway, so. Yeah, anyway. He goes to Earth 6, S-I-X. There's no numerals Mm -hmm. in this. Uh, And he wants to save Lady Quark and her husband. What is her husband's name? Crack or something. Anyway. Crack? Yeah. So he grabs a hold of Lady Quark, and Psycho Pirate is witnessing this. And he says, look, the hooded one is saving the woman. And I about freaked out. You know, I'm like, oh, Mm. my gosh, what if Mariah is Mr. Ross? So that would make sense because Mm -hmm. 
here's why. So I did a search on Pariah. He he mostly showed up in um, Crisis on Infinite Earth, obviously. I think he was in a Supergirl issue. And um, strangely enough, he was in the New 52 in Justice League of America Vibe Number 1, co-written by mm-hmm. Jeff Johns, oh. where he was stuck in a tube somewhere. So Okay. And so if he was in in the new fifty two, that means that world is supposed to end. But he was imprisoned. Right, because you said he's stuck in a tube, right? Right, right. When there were other characters that were stuck in tubes as well. So John's Way back in Justice League of America, vibe number one, has Pariah stuck in a tube. Now, if you're if you're a character that only shows up when a world is going about to be destroyed, what does that tell you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. Well, and you know, we keep we keep going back to the New Fifty Two. So many people. Right, and and I keep going back to my girl, Pandora. You know, I was holding on to her for so long. She's also a hooded figure, just by the way. Um, you know, Pandora originally said that the New Fifty Two world was a mistake, and I held on to that. You know, they killed her, but I don't care. I'm holding on to that. Right, she just got poof gone. But anyway, so what you're saying, you know, Pariah could have come to the New Fifty Two Earth Zero with a zero number, and he could have been in charge of destroying the world. But outside interference could have made it so that he doesn't. Right, because they had captured these characters and put them in tubes. I didn't read the. But when I saw, you know, one of them was definitely Pariah. Because they had, like, a mm-hmm. name, part of his name, and then he has the same outfit. Yeah. So, okay. Now, also in this Legends of DC, which is a add-on to you know, an enhancement of issue four of Crisis on the Infinite Earth. So, Andamata declares, and I, Psycho Pirate, he's talking to Psycho Pirate, I will rule all that remains. You know, he's going to bring in the antimatter, and that destroys everything. So he says, as for you, my emotion-controlling sycophant, rise. Until all positive matter is gone, there are still souls that must be controlled. The two characters that they're looking at on the screen is Superman and Dawnstar. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Pariah... So, so now, which comic, which comic was that? It's Legends of DC, um, Crisis on Infinite Earth, The Untold Story. It came oh. out in 1989. Hey, the year I was born. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, Pariah is unable to to save Karak uh, of Earth-6, who is the husband of Lady Quark. Uh, they're 
daughter has already died. He wants to fight to the bitter end. Pariah grabs a hold of Lady Quark, and he says, come, I can still save you. And she goes, no, let me go with my family. He says, I am truly, I am sorry, I truly am, but I will not let you die like this, okay? So Mm -hmm. then they explain it's a matter, it's a wave of antimatter that sweeps across this universe, vaporizing planets, living and dead until nothing. Now remember, in Forever Evil, Earth 3 came to Earth Zero because their world was destroyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. By the Anti-Monitor. Yeah. So, Which we found out two years later. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's because they won't let John you know, finish his story. They may be P&B around with everybody mm-hmm. else, and he's like, come on, come on. You know, I can see Jeff Johns could have put this whole pariah thing in the in the vibe comic and they could have just told him well hold your horses you know we got to do our foreman's or whatever right and they could have just stopped him right and so pariah says even saving one life lessens the pain of my eternal damnation now remember what mr oz told Superman Clark in the Rebirth DCU comic. He said, friend or enemy, it doesn't matter. Because yeah. mm-hmm. Raya's not really a villain. His curse is to show up just before he has to witness the, the world being destroyed. Right, yeah. But he did save Lady Quark, so that shows there is goodness in him. And, um, so. Right, well, you know, most of these characters are just observers. Like, um, I want to say Doctor St- Phantom Stranger. Right. And, um, the was, Spectre. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Phantom they they, they just observe. Him, right. And, and they can't really do anything. Like, the Spectre is... Literally, when you look under affiliation, good or evil, it's none, right? right? Because he he does what needs to be done in the universe. Yeah, and he was a, another Jerry Siegel creation. Yes. All right. So then they take us to, um, it's actually Earth-1, O-N-E, um, but it's the 30th century, and this is that whole thing where Iris came from the 30th century. And so Barry goes to the 30th century and with Iris, and they love each other, and it's all this good stuff. And mm-hmm. um, there's a big boom, and there's a big, uh, there's lightning, and um, there's a reddish cloud, and... So the weather's controlled there in the 30th century, and uh, Iris says, look at the sky, Barry. He goes, well, he says, it's probably just a glitch in the system. Someone will fix it. She says, don't try fooling me, Barry. You've been itching to put on the costume ever since you got here. He says, (laughs) that part of my life's over. She says, hon, it's okay. You can be the Flash and the man I love. Go check it out. So Barry goes to check it out, and she says, I love you, Barry, more and more every day, you know. So... 
there's a white energy disintegrating everything it touches. And mm-hmm. so um, he, he says, if I relax, I'll return to my time period, which would be the 20th century. And he says, right. come on, slow down already. The thing's moving too fast. Slow down. And he doesn't show up in the 20th century. He shows up on another earth. Um, and the flash there, um, (laughs) kind of a little problem. He's only made two dimensional, um, but his name, but he's, um, Japanese. Okay. The thing that I noticed about in the, in this book and in Crisis on Infinite Earth, visiting all the earth, it was very diverse. Mm Mm-hmm. And we, we talked about that time period. It was more diverse than it is now. So, and I think that's what, the, you know, if they go back to Crisis on Infinite Earth, then the, the whole dis- diversity thing gets solved, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was that whole thing I was talking about, but I don't want diversity just for diversity. I want it to be a character first. Right. And who just happens to be black or Indian or... right or whatever it is. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast with Chuck Dixon, who used to write um, Batman and the Punisher. And uh, he'd just done a graphic novel, <laughs> which I actually <laughs> ordered. Um, yeah. Um, but it has to do with this whole political thing that we're going through right now. But anyway, he was explaining that, you know, the reason that Black Lightning didn't catch on is because he was just a black character. Yeah. And he says, but if you looked at Luke Cage, he was a character mm-hmm. who was black, which is different. He was a character from. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's exactly what I, it's exactly what I was saying about um Super Dash, the new Super Dash Man. Right. But right? it they made him a Chinese character first and who just happens to be like a Superman. Right. Um, And the reason why, for example, when I look at diversity, I look at Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern. Right. They didn't didn't make a big fuss about it that, oh, you know, he's a black man or, or whatever. No, he was a person who was in the army, and he was, I'm going according to animated series origins here because I did not read John Stewart's comics, so please don't don't shout at me on, on Twitter. Um, you know, according to the animated series, which is where I learned about the Green Lantern from, uh, and my Green Lantern was John Stewart, right? Which is why when the Green Lantern movie came out, I was like, who's hell Jordan, you know? Uh, but that's beside the point. He was just a guy who was in the army. He was serving in uh, the Middle Eastern War, or, or whatever war it was, right? You Americans always fighting in some war. Yeah. Um, ain't that the truth. Anyway, and... Uh, and we just started so, yeah, visually. The CIA goes... Yeah, which, yeah, from... yeah. You'll, you'll start them sometimes. Uh, but anyway... You know, he's he's in the war, he's serving, he's 
uh, a guy, and it just so happens that the Green Lantern ring, that he sees the this, this ship crashing, and it's his, you know, he's a good guy, so he goes to check out if somebody is hurt or whatever. He finds um, the Green Lantern, can't remember his name now, but he's a pink dude, uh, and he says, you are now a Green Lantern. Boom! That's it. They didn't make a fuss about his color. They right. didn't make a fuss that, you know, it was taking Hell Jordan's origins or whatever and wasn't his origins. They didn't make a fuss about it. And John Stewart in the Justice League animated series is one of the most beloved characters there because they just made him a guy. They made him a guy who loves a girl, who fights the fight to be a good guy, and they made him a hero. Right. That's why, that's why, and that, you know, coming from me, being a, a person of color, coming from a place like South Africa, it's, for me, it's never been about, let's make it all about these characters or whatever. It's just, give me a character who's, who I can, I who I can, you know, like Superman. I, identify with him because he's a farm boy, you know, who's come to a big city. I identify with Lois Lane because she is a gutsy, ballsy woman who will do anything to get the truth. And I'm very passionate about, you know, the truth. You know, I believe that's the one thing that sets us free. And that's why I identify with these characters. It's not because they're whatever color or whatever it is. Right. I mean, look Make, at Steel, look at Cyborg. Look at yeah, exactly. their characters first. Exactly. Like Katana. Black. Exactly. Or Katana. She just happens to right. be Japanese. Right. You know? But the, they have compelling stories first. And I also believe what she said, you know, what this guy said, why Black Lightning didn't catch on, because they were sort of cashing in on that sort of 70s, Superfly, sort of, you know, all that sort of shaft and and that era of stuff. And they didn't make it about a character first. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, back to this comic. Um, They go to New York on what should be called Earth D. So I'm not sure what number world it is. Mm -hmm. But... Pariah and Lady Quark show up, and Batman and Robin have been messing about with this medulla guy, and Lady Quark steps in and just kills him. He says, what are you doing? Oh, okay. And she says, you know, you don't coddle your foes, you destroy them. Well, then Batman says, that's enough, you know. And uh, on this earth, Superman is black, Supergirl is black, they are not cousins. They are man and wife. Oh, um, okay. And uh, same thing with, um, I think, the Hawks aren't man and wife. They're like brother and sister. So, Ew. Um, so, you know, they kind of give Lady Quark a lecture about, you know, <laughs> she doesn't kill Medulla, but she, you know, sends him pretty good. And mm-hmm. so Pariah says, please hear me out. The fate of your world depends on it. 
in the okay, so then in the narrative boxes, in the distance is the faintest rubbling of lightning and the dawn dawning of a dark red sky. And that's when I went, wait a minute, the whole <laughs> dark red sky thing. That was what three covers was that? And I asked you to confirm it. You know, was it convergence? And you said yes. Now, I will confirm it for you again. It was future end as well. Right. The red sky. Because didn't Didio point it out? Yes. The Didio, uh, I had to go back because Dan deleted his Twitter. and to go back to my screen caps, which thankfully I kept. Um, right. And it said, uh, look to the sky. And it and when you, when you look at the... Future's End one, there were three covers back to back to back that showed us the previous world. Like they showed Donna Troy, they showed Wally West, they showed Superman in his, in his underoos, um, and Power Girl and all, all sorts of other characters. Um, but they showed them in a dark, red, lightning-ish sky. Yeah. Okay, and that was Future's End, correct? Yeah, future's end. I forgot the numbers, but right. Yeah. But that yeah. Now, was there anything for convergence? Yes, there were two covers in convergence, and then when I went back and I looked inside the story, you would see a whole lot of red sky and 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 lightning and all that sort of stuff. Um, right. Convergence seven, and then five had lightning skies. And then eight, when you look inside, it starts off with a lightning, uh, red lightning, black sky. Okay, so basically DC has been hinting to us that Future's End and Convergence have to do with Crisis on Infinite Earth. Right? Because the new system, right. with the exception of Earth 2, was basically a one trick pony. Mm. It didn't even have a trick. Yeah. It's just a pony. Yeah. And a lame pony. So so basically they're taking us from the one verse to the multiverse again. You know, we did have um Morrison's multiverse, but so red skies and lightning is a is a reference to Crisis on Infinite Earth. And we know mm. that Convergence wasn't Convergence planned in the first Convergence, year. Convergence? Convergence was planned, and this is according to the writer Jeff King. He did an interview. He said Convergence was in the works five years ago. Right. Um, It, it was pinned and planned like point by point by Dan Jurgens. Um, and he talked to some other people. We still don't know who the other people are, uh, but it was always on the books. And he said, you know, if you look at certain stuff, and I was like, well, nobody read that comic, like that one comic that that Dan DiDio did. I don't even know what it was. Uh, well, it was the Forever People yeah. or something. Yeah. And he said, if you look at that comic issue number five, I was like, it made it to five issues. Wow, you know. Oh, that's like um, Think of America vibe number one. Who read that? No, I didn't even know that it existed. I was like, 
is Holly making up comics? Because she tweeted the she, she DM'd it to me, and I'm like, this doesn't exist. She's gone down a binta oh, and trying. Yeah, it. she's trying to take me with her, and I'm not. I'm not believing this. And then I googled it, and actually, when you when you Google uh, that that comic, the one picture that pops up that I needed to see was of these people in this in these tubes. Yeah. And the half pariah name, and somebody has it circled and with an arrow, and says, "This looks. This looks suspicious." Why is this person's name blanked out, you know? Or only half there. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, apparently, according to Jeff King, there were hints and nods and stuff like that. And he said, you know, it's always been in the works. And I'm like, yeah, but not in like prominent comics. So basically, Jeff Johns and Dan DiDio were hinting towards, <laughs> we know the new 52 is not going to work. Right, and so they had in ALI annual number one, which Dan Jurgens had wrote the series, but Johns and Jurgens, I'm sorry, Johns and DiDio did the annual for that. And that's the yeah. one where Busico goes, what the hell? <laughs> when he sees the yes. So, yeah, 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 they knew that this was going to like, you know, but they didn't have enough boats in the room. You know, I think so. They were yeah. going up against the mafia from Wildstorm and Marvel. And yeah. they knew oh. that they were going to have yeah. to bring back DC characters. Yeah. Okay, so the Futures End covers that have the, the red lightning um, is Futures End number 23, 24, and 25. And this has Brainiac on the cover with the lightning sky in the background. Uh, with all the different characters. And then the second cover has Brainiac again. Um, Because, you know, they were building up to Brainiac in Future's End as the big bad. Yeah. And then the last one has um, the lightning cover of Superman versus Brainiac in every incarnation. Right. And it has that it has that dark red lightning sky, and it has Superman in the underoos facing the first Brainiac. Then it has um, Superman, you know, with the with the long hair facing Brainiac. Uh, it has New Fifty Two Superman, and it had Future's End Superman with the beard and the T-shirt and the right. <clears throat> ruggedly good looks. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. Um. So. Flash goes to um, Earth D. Uh, D's um, Flash. Barry mm-hmm. Allen goes to Earth D's Flash, who has a wife and kids, and they're very much in love. And so um, the Earth D Flash takes him to. The Justice Alliance of America, which is their jail, oh. and um, he's introduced to everyone. Um, you know, Martian Manhunter is there. You know, if if Jim Lee didn't like Superman's um, immigrant story because it wasn't like his, just imagine what he thought of Martian Manhunters. 
Oh, I can just imagine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Pariah is there, and Barry says, you're not from here? Because like you, Lady Quark and I came from alternate worlds, or Earth, excuse me. We have lived through the disaster that threatens your world. The red skies and aberrant weather are the first signs of its coming. Again, with the red skies and the light. Mm-hmm. It's a force. And, and what... It's and a, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. One more cover of Future's End has a red sky. Um, it's with Superman. You know the one where he's holding up uh, New York City. Yes. That has a very prominent red lightning sky. Right. So, um, he says the red skies and aberrant weather are the first signs of its coming. It's a force of antimatter energy. So terrible. Whatever it touches instantly ceases to exist. Cities, worlds, even universes have fallen before its awesome power, including our own. And so they're all like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? <laughs> and Barry goes, hold on, the red skies were already on my earth. And he goes, but yours is not the next universe to die. So then Pariah has to explain. I am cursed to live through the horror of each universe dying before my eyes. That is why I am here. Okay. So Pariah shows up, you're in trouble. So then there's the the weather above. The Justice Alliance of America has an underwater, um, yeah, watchtower or whatever. Base of operations. Right. And... It's being affected by the weather up above. And so someone says, Pariah, have you brought the red skies here? He says, no, I swear by all that is sacred. This is not my doing. And um, Hawkman says, Flash, he's telling the truth. We called you because we had reports of red skies moving in over Japan. And Batman says, it's definitely here now. And um, so they, the... Um, the hull's just been breached. Water's coming in, and so Aquaman goes out and um, tries, you know, to repair stuff. And he has, uh, they have everybody put on, you know, take on um, oxygen masks and things like that. And Adam is relying on Wonder Woman uh, to uh, save him. Because, you know, the pressure for a little guy like that could crush him. So, um, John, the Martian Manhunter, Superman, and Supergirl uh, are holding back. It's like, you know, a dike that's leaking. And mm-hmm. um, so they use porpoises uh, to get to the surface. And, they're you know, they make it. And so Superman takes him to his Fortress of Solitude, which is in the Antarctic. And, um, you know, he's, you know, he's got a menagerie in there and the whole bit, you know. And um, Mm -hmm. so, um, Pariah, they said, we're together and time's running out. What do we do? And he says, "I, I have no answer. No universe has survived its coming. I can only tell you what I have seen. And he, and they said, it's okay. Start from the beginning. Is it a, is it natural? Did someone create it? And he says, it, definitely has an intelligence behind it, and uh, one man says, cool, then I, it can be stopped. 
And Barry says, this earth never dealt with anything like this before, but mine has. If we can bring my friends here, we have a fighting chance. So Pariah goes to go get Earth One peeps. And um, so he does. He does bring back the Earth One peeps and they get to meet their counterparts. Um, there's Superman, Batman, Supergirl, Nightwing, Cyborg, Firestorm, uh, Green Lantern, Dawnstar, and um, Corey. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, this is Disco Dick, right? <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> uh-huh. And so they get to meet you know, their counterparts and everything. So then, here's the other thing. The anti-monitor is looking at monitors. It was the psychopath, and he says, um... He says, they amuse me, pirates, foolishly clinging to their mistaken belief that there is power in numbers. But ten heroes or a hundred makes no difference. When anti-monitor touches positive matter, all is destroyed. Remember, you know, I suppose if you touch negative matter, then everybody's cool. Whatever. So he says, uh, yeah, it's it's that whole thing that um, happens with the anti-life equation. Right. Um, when that hits the anti-monitors, two antis cancel each other out, yeah. Yeah, but the point is, is that the New 52 was so dark. <sighs> it was the anti-life equation. Yeah, so, it yeah. was. And we said that. So many times. Yeah. <laughs> so, Psychopart says, but what if they find a way to stop your machine? And he says, impossible. My time bomb will make certain they will never achieve an ultimate victory. And so he says, now release the Shadow Guard. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, how many times have we seen shadows? I mean, straight off the bat, I can think of in whatever came before Savage Dawn. In Super- What was that called where he lost all his powers? Something. I don't know. Was it Savage Dawn or no? No, it was, it was the thing that came before Savage Dawn where he was eating tacos and he had money in his sock and, yeah, he was acting like a dude. It was bad. Whatever it was. Whatever it was, was so bad. It was part of the DCYOU. I remember that. Yes. I, I, I'm going to go and look for it now. What's it called? Okay. No, so, because I'm yeah, because I'm like that. Yeah. So torturing myself. He sent Psycho Pirate to do his dirty work. He says, "I will, I will, and they'll destroy the heroes. I promise you." And then he's thinking they will feel such fear and terror they will be unable to fight back. Okay. So then this Maine disappears. Massachusetts is gone. Vermont, Rhode Island, Connecticut follow. New York now stands proudly in its deadly path. Again with New York, remember, we're going back to um, Mm. it moves from the north, removing everything it touches, and in the poor, helpless people run in terror, hold on to their loved ones as they pray, and all too quickly are gone. So, um, so, apparently, they saw Barry Allen die in Crisis on Infinite Earth issues two and three. Remember, this is this book here is during four and after four. 
So <laughs> he says, so Batman says, you died. We saw you <laughs> wasted away, pleading for help. And Flash goes, right. I, I don't think so. <laughs> so, um, so they go out to fight the shadow people. Uh, because okay. they've come out. And they're throwing everything they can at them, you know. They're blasting them. They're not, you know, they don't want to touch them, obviously, because they're antimatter. But if they can blast them with whatever they have, that's what they're doing. And mm-hmm. um, so Hawk Girl gets in the path of uh, Shadow, and Hawkman goes after her, and, of course, Hawkman dies because he got touched, and then um, so does Hawk Girl. And so they said no hero ever died on Earth D before. They always knew it would happen one day, but there is no way to prepare for death in less than the blink of an eye. Two good friends are gone. So um, we got Disco Dick there doing his thing. Um, And, yeah. So um, Supergirl suggests they since they're in the Fortress Solitude, that they get the Phantom Zone projector. And Cal's like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Well, guess what? Cal gets killed. <laughs> yeah. But no. the big guy goes out. Okay. He gets killed by the anti-monitor shadow people. So Supergirl grabs his body, and they make a run for it, including uh, Earth-1, Superman and Supergirl. And um, they lie to um, Earth-D Superman that, yeah, they did get the Phantom Projector. They didn't because it got destroyed, too. So, um, but, you know, they wanted him to have a peaceful death. (laughs) And so they bury him. And uh, it's quite touching, actually. And this is where we get somebody put this panel up once before, and it's... uh, Earth One Superman saying, no matter what I seem to be, I'm still a mortal man. Sometimes it's hard to remember that. And this is the book that that comes from. Hello. Hey. Dreams in the New 52. So, um, so the the bats talk, the Earthy Batman has a Robin and he's kind of impressed that um, he says he asked Nightwing, "Why would you quit being Robin? It's so awesome." <laughs> so, um, and Firestorm's a little upset because there wasn't his a counterpart for him. Well, there wasn't one for Cyborg either, and there was only one Green Lantern, and I think it was John Stewart. Yeah, it is John Stewart. So, yay, John Stewart. <laughs> so the White Darkness comes to Metropolis. And um, uh, Earth One Superman promises uh, Earth D Supergirl, we'll do everything we can, I promise you. And she says, I believe you. You're so very much like my cow. Both of you are such good men. And Clark says, I found most people are. I don't think it's at all special to want to do what's right now. I try to say that nowadays. Mm. So... Um, you know, the darkness is over, and the sky is definitely red, and they've got these shadows flying in the air, right? And, the, you know, it's over Brazil now and across Asia, and 
past Japan, towards Australia, and this is where... See, you see, they never head towards Africa. I I'm safe here. I'm safe here. I keep telling you, people. <laughs> so, tag and sir, Green Lantern, uh, Sector 5134, uh, he's contacted by um, the monitors, right? Isn't that what they're called? Right. Guardians. Yes. No, the Guardians. Yeah. Guardians of Owa. Yeah. He says, I have the target in sight. Antimatter shadows. They're pursuing an Earth-flying craft, switching to combat pursuit. And this is where um, he gets hit. Tagenster gets hit. No. And he lands. And um, Jose, oh, he speaks. He asked him if he speaks Portuguese. So we got Portuguese in here. Of course, they're in Brazil, probably. And he says... Uh, Diversity. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Jose Hernandez now wears the ring. And now he's the oh. Green Lantern. I am the new Green Lantern. My first mission is to save the universe from destruction. So... Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got global people. And this is 1989. And 1985 also reflected this. So... Um, uh, Earth D. Robin uh, goes to save a woman, and he gets caught up in the white darkness. Uh, of course, his Batman goes bazonkers. Um, Earth One <laughs> bazonkers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Earth D. Wonder Woman goes to save a young boy, and she gets caught up in the white darkness. Uh, Does anybody survive this? Or are they all just... I don't know. So far, no Earth-1 people have died in it. Um, also, also, are the, is the Earth... Uh, what's it, Earth... Uh, why did I want to say Earth-Z? No. Um, what Earth people are they? Earth-6? No, the Earth-6 is gone. This is Earth-D as in dog. Okay, Earth D. Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, they they're basically like the lambs to the slaughter. <laughs> they're just because every time you you just like he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> he's gone. She's gone. <laughs> so Earth D. Flash says to Barry, "Your cosmic treadmill, Barry. Can we build one large enough to shift our population to your Earth? It would be like an interna- interdimensional Noah's Ark." He says, wow. It's theoretically possible, Tan, but there are untold billions still alive in this universe. You all can come with us, but we can't possibly save everyone. And then Supergirl of Earth D says, then we'll save whoever we can. Even one life is better than none, and you can forget about our forsaking this Earth. So, you know, they rally, and the people need all the hope we can give them. So... And there's a hug from Earth One Superman to Earth D Supergirl. So, um, Tan goes back, uh, the Earth D Flash gets back to his family. They're going to say goodbye, you know, because they're trying to save the world. And, um, he gets zapped. So we get, you know, cheers of, let's do this. And, and so, you know, Earth One Superman says, what's going to happen to those people? And Barry says, many of them are genetic doppelgangers. If I'm right, 
they'll merge with their Earth One counterparts. I'm not sure if families will be left intact, but at least they'll be alive. So they see this odyssey of people trying to, um, you know, go to where they'll be safe. And then we see in the white darkness the shadow people are coming. <laughs> the shadows are moving in. We won't be able to keep this up for long. A couple hundred thousand have already gone through. I think we can save some more. So they're going through the cosmic treadmill to go to Earth One. Mm-hmm. Uh Monitor says still each minor victory gives them a modicum of hope. I think it is about time to sever even that slender thread. And so he points at Barry and says, I have a better use for you. Um, the portal wavers, and Barry begins to disappear. Oh, no. Yeah. So, while elsewhere, in a place of darkness, we see the red tornado, the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like in golden light. And Psycho Pirate says to Barry, because they're in like blackness, he says, you may play with our human guest if you wish, Psycho Pirate. Just do not slay him. That's from Anti-Monitor. And he goes, at last. Barry says, what's going on? I want some answers. He says, but consider yourself fortunate. Unlike those these others who implicitly wage a war, they cannot win. You will have a nice safe window through which to watch the end of all positive matter in existence. <laughs> and so they say, of course, Flesh, there's no reason to hide the truth from you. After all, you are going to die, along with your world, oh. your poultry universe. And this then, is so uh, intense. <laughs> yeah. And we, someone says, not on my watch. So, and this is the battle for Earth D and to save Barry at the same time. And so they go on and uh, we lose the new Green Lantern because he gets swallowed up by a shadow person. Of course. And um, the Earth D Flash is... He's trying to keep the cosmic treadmill going, but he can't. And he tells the Earth One peeps, he says, Go back to your world. We saved millions. We've done all we can. Save yourselves now. Save your world. Now, remember, Crisis on Infinite Earth was taking multiple worlds and making them into one world. So this ties in with that because the people of Earth D, they got through the cosmic, um, yeah, treadmill. Yeah, they're, they're emerging they're with much, their Earth One counter. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so it's not like you're going to have, like, two people... On on one earth, it's they merging with each other, like a fusion. So, Earthy, yeah, Earthy Supergirl um, lure, tries to lure uh, the um, shadows to chase her and give the uh, Earth One peeps enough time to go back to Earth One. And of course, she is sacrificed. The shadows go after her. And the um, Earthy Flash can no longer run on the treadmill. And so there's a portal closing, and um, the Earthy peeps are stuck on their planet with the Shadow People. And, of course, they do the brave thing. They get, you know, they make a last-ditch effort to 
save, but, you know, probably all is lost because you can't fight antimatter. Mm-hmm. Or Jim Lee when he's got Bob Harris, an editor-in-chief. So somewhere they were spread across the worlds of Earth 1 and 2, those with powers from many lands and many times, as different as the abilities they possess, but bound together by those very powers. Now they are aboard a satellite floating in some limbo that exists neither in time nor space. Okay. Then... Wow. Alexander Luther shows up. Now, eventually, he kills Pariah. Oh, okay. So I'm not going to go through anyway. But, um, so, we had Alexander Luther show up in Forever Evil. Yep. Uh, Pariah hangs out with, showed up in Blackest Night. He was a Black Lantern along with Vibe Harbinger. And Lady Quark. Mm-hmm. Written by Jeff John. So, um, let's see if there's anything in these last remarks by Pariah. The dark tale of this crisis on infinite Earth unfolds and their resolve strengthens. One way or another, they will find their victory. There is no doubt of that. <laughs> Say that now, honey. <laughs> oh. Um. So, what we have now is we're expanding the universe into a multiverse. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? You know what I feel Rebirth is. It's what the New Fifty Two promised to be. Right. A rebuilding of the world, but they did no world building. Right. And, and you know, we keep saying that whatever they tried to build, it was built on a foundation of sand because Superman was just not Superman. Right, exactly. And what's the one thing they changed in Rebirth that they came out with in a bang was Superman Rebirth. Yeah. Well, And, you know, Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman. Yes. Well, and I mean, those two characters alone were stripped of a lot of things, especially Superman. We, we said this time and again. He was stripped of two-thirds of his mythology, you know, mm-hmm. basically Mr. Majestic, hello. And yeah, and in the Wonder end, Woman because they took was his not a mirror of herself after, you know, outside of her own book when Azarella was writing it. And that was the problem. I mean, Jeff even said that, you know, they were not the same character from book to book to book. I mean, everybody but the Superman books wrote Superman as Superman should be because they needed that for their story. But in the Superman Mm -hmm. books, he was loser. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I'm still kind of intrigued about maybe Pariah is um, Mr. Oz. And the other thing that I talked to my son about and I asked you about is he thinks that each of the Watchmen has chosen a character to watch over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that um, the comedian is one of the Jokers. Because, you know, he did get the comedian's smiley face thing. Right. Yeah. He got his um, smiley face button. Okay. So since your son has read Watchmen, obviously. Right. 
ask him because I can, for the love of me, I cannot find the DVD, which is the only way I will go and explore Watchmen. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to go and look for the book and read it. Uh, I refuse to. <laughs> so ask him, does the comedian die? Because I'm pretty sure, if I can't remember, but I'm not sure. Not a 100%. Ask him if the comedian does die. Because then that's going to like put a screw in our in our work. That's going to put like a wrench in our works there. Right. But, um, I mean, but it's completely nothing, different yeah. from Watchmen. Yeah, it's um, completely different from Watchmen. So, look it yeah. up on Wiki or something and see if he dies. Let me, okay, let me do that. I can okay. do that. I'm going to go in the other room. Hold on. Okay. But I am wicking it. The comedian Watchman. Um da 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 Who is ironically played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Hmm. Yeah, they do have a death date here. Yeah, okay. But like I said, you know, like I was telling Holly, I don't think that this is Watchmen continuity. I just think they're using um, the whole... Uh, Watchmen characters and things to get them out of a sticky spot, a.k.a. the New 52. Um, Yeah, okay, so according to DC Wiki, he does die. Uh, Yeah, and there's that blood splatter on his Happy face pin, which um, is very iconic for the Watchmen series. Okay, so he's dead. Damn. Okay. All right. Yeah. Definitely dead. Okay, so the story of Watchmen starts with the aftermath of the murder in 1985 of the man named Edward Blake, who is the comedian. He was beaten mercilessly and thrown through a window of his apartment, falling several stories to his death. Damn. Okay, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, oh, they have a entry here for DC Rebirth. Okay, let's see what I can read here. 2016 DC Comics began a new initiative known as Rebirth to retcon the increasing unpopular New 52 lineup. Um... 
Wally West, the original Kid Flash, attempts to turn. Batman doesn't recognize him. Upon removing the object from the rocks, it is revealed to be the comedian's pin. Unsure of the significance, but clearly troubled by its presence, Batman stores it away and opens a new investigation. Okay. All right. That clears that up. I need to read this for Holly. Um, okay. Don't know where Holly is now, if she can hear me or not. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm just in the fan. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so did you find it? Yeah. Did he die? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, according to, um, the wiki page for Watchmen, the events of Watchmen start out with the death of Edward Blake, a.k.a. the comedian. Right. Um... And, yeah, and that's where they get that whole iconic image of the smiley face with the blood dripping on it. He was beaten to death. So the blood splatter splashed onto his uh, happy happy face pin. Uh, I need to read this. Whoever wrote this wiki page (laughs) wrote this. In 2016, DC Comics began a new initiative known as Rebirth, to retcon the increasingly unpopular New 52 lineup. (laughs) I didn't write it. I I swear it wasn't me either. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I just, oh, I wish I had to. That is hilarious. That just made my night. (laughs) It's so funny. Um, But yeah, it's. It doesn't state, you know, if in Rebirth he's dead or alive or what. But it's just Batman's unsure of um, the significance of the uh, pin. He doesn't know what it is, but he stores it away for a new investigation. He has not looked back at this pin since then. I don't know. I have been reading Batman. Apparently he's tangling with Psycho Pirate, but... Yeah, that that was funny. Here's something else that's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. When I was going, and it was funny because my son and I were talking, and and we came on this like you know each of the Watchmen. And I said, well, who do you think was, who would they be watching over in the DCU? And mm-hmm. and we got to talking about Silk Spectre, and I forget who. Supposedly she was based on. He says, but you know what? Silk Spectre, I always thought she was like the Phantom Lady. Is that her name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was Phantom the Tall Man. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it turns out that Alan Moore found the other female character boring and did base her on. I mean, you look at her outfit of Phantom Lady and Silk Spectre, I mean, it's the same freaking outfit. Yeah, one's purple and one's yellow. Yeah, and guess what? What did DC bring back in the New 52? Cat Stags drew the book. Phantom Lady and Dollman. Phantom, yes, Phantom Lady and Dollman. Hello. Right, right. I was just like, now Holly's trying to, what? The New 52 brought back a lot of stuff, Holly. (laughs) Yeah, and... And we were also looking up um, 
Is his name Uncle Sam? Yeah, I guess. And the mm-hmm. what was the name of their? I mean, we were looking up a lot of stuff, but it's kind of interesting that you know we were kind of like, oh well, that's interesting, Phantom Lady and Gallman. You know, I think all this stuff is supposed to like Crisis on Infinite Earth. They were bringing out stuff, and then they were trying to get people to, you know, they were giving us a lot of hints, and but we were just like wallowing in our discontent with what they were doing to Superman. Right. Well, you you know what? I did not read the Forever People. If I did, maybe mm-hmm. I would have caught a, a hint or a suggestion or something from Dan DiDio. Right. Dan DiDio could have been a bit more specific, like, hey, peeps, why don't you go and read this? Because if you don't like the New 52, maybe there's something there for you. Um, well, I suppose that's anti-marketing. Uh, yeah, Jim anyway. Lee did hiss me about that. Jim Lee would have had an aneurysm. Well, He'd yeah. have been like, ah, how can you talk bad about the new 52? The new 52 is the greatest thing ever. I told my son I thought that Jim Lee is now on the penance tour. <laughs> yeah. I said because he, I don't think he's involved with this anymore. You know? No, I don't. Because, I mean, if you look at, like, his Instagram and Twitter, I know you don't follow him, but... He's like all over the place and he's not drawing, he's he's not doing art, he's like, I don't know, like, I, I he's like on a booze cruise because every time I see him, he's posting pictures of him, like, I don't, maybe he's drinking, he sorrows away that the new 52 is gone, I don't know. He's supposed to be drawing Suicide Squad. He ain't doing that. Because they got somebody else to do it now, you know, that draws similarly to Jim Lee. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you when I looked at those other guys, I, I cannot, for, for the love of me, I cannot remember his name. But when I looked at his art, I was like, is this Jim Lee? You know, because it, it looks like that. It's a striking resemblance. And I call, I ultimately call foul on why would they get somebody who draws exactly like Jim Lee to draw on a book that Jim Lee's drawing. Right. So, yeah. Does he play TikTok on their faces? No, no, he doesn't put as many lines. That's how I knew something was up. I was like, there's the lines on their face. Right. Why doesn't doesn't this person have lines? And he's actually done so many of his, um, like, on his Tumblr and stuff. So many of his, his drawings have been Jim Lee recreations, like he's done a fantastic recreation of, of Superman and Lois Lane from For Tomorrow. I found it so hard. I had to look really carefully, and then I was like, okay, the sky color is off. The the shadowing is not as, as you know, like proper and stuff. But, yeah, yeah. I think you're going to see a difference because... Jim Lee's model for every second character he draws is himself. True. And the yeah. other guy, he's not going to have Jim Lee to use as a model, so. Unless he has Jim Lee's face. You know, maybe Jim Lee's posing for him. That's why he can't draw Suicide Squad. Maybe. And he, and he's like, oh, I, I loved how Bleeding Cool put it up. Jim Lee's not going to be drawing issue number two of Suicide Squad. And I was like, 
Oh, he's starting so early. It's issue number two. Big surprise, you know? not really. Yeah, and everybody was like, oh, I'm so surprised. Watch me die from being so surprised. Who knew that would ever happen? And, yeah. You know, that it is was hilarious. As being a poor sport. It is, it is. And they gave him, you know what, they gave him a comic that he would enjoy drawing. Yeah, because it's all madness and stuff. But yeah, it's 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 like and it's connected to a big movie, right? You know how much more pub, how much more limelight could he get? But no, 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 he's not destroying Superman, so he's not happy. Yeah, he's not sabotaging the Superman book. Yeah, Frank Muller don't want him to draw for Batman anymore. So really. Yeah, there was this article um, that Frank Miller was thinking of completing All-Star, ba- All-Star Batman and Robert the Boy Wonder, but and people asked him, uh, the interviewer who was doing this, this thing with him, because he was like, he was on the red carpet, I don't know why, for Suicide Squad, and, you know, um, so somebody asked him, would would you want Jim Lee to come back and do the art for you? And he said, well, Jim's a busy guy. Let's not get him involved. Well, I mean, how many times has he... Okay, so he didn't finish it the first time. They were supposed to bring it back in 2010, and Jim says, oh, no, we're doing the new 52, so can't do that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know... I don't know, like, year before last, he was like, oh, we're going to do All-Star Batman and Robin. And I'm like, oh, are you going to draw those five chapters that Frank Miller had done that you didn't complete? Yeah, and, you know, when you look on the Wikipedia for all, like, the articles and stuff for all Batman, All-Star Batman and Robin, the boy wonder, when you look at all the stuff, it's Frank Miller who's apologizing. And then when you delve into the forums and you you discover the, the history behind it, you're like, oh, no, Frank Miller had his scripts done. Jim Lee was too busy destroying his own company and trying to wreck DC to, to finish the the story. Well, and he, you know, the thing about it is, is like it took him two years to finally admit well, I didn't finish them. Frank had chapters that I had to draw, but I just didn't get them done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it took him two years to actually admit that. So when the whole uh, Superman and Chain debacle, you know, Scott had his stuff done in April, you know, he was done. And mm-hmm. that's when Jim Lee did the whole cancel resolicit thing. And my son said, you watch. They're going to try to blame Snyder for that. And I said, they can't. Scott's already finished it. We know that he's finished it. And he says, he says I don't care. They've pulled it, I don't know how many times before with Lee. It's the writer's fault. I'm like, no, it's not. It's Jimbo's fault. How many times did people have to look at his record? I mean, he practically invented cancel and resolicit. Yeah, no, I definitely think it was invented for him. Yeah, I'm a rock star. Well, you know what I say to that? Go choke on your own vomit then. 
<laughs> no, I would tell him, go sharpen your pencils and do your work. Yeah. You're not hired for you're not hired for you know your your savvy business business skills. <gasps> you're not hired for uh, I don't know your good looks or whatever. Or your you're ideas hired about characters. Or your ideas? Oh heavens no! Uh, oh damn no! You he stay away from all the characters. He's hired for literally drawing. Yeah, I was it. And he can't and he can't even draw. Do you know he met Mark Hamill at Comic Con, right? Right. And it took him the whole of Comic Con to do a sketch for Mark Hamill. What? It took him Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then he gave Mark Hamill the oh, no no Mark Hamill had to come to to uh, L.A. The, the D.C. offices to pick up his sketch. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. I'm not kidding you. That is what happened, and it's on Twitter, it's on Instagram and stuff. And Mark Hamill was being a complete and and total gentleman about it. He's like. You know what, I know it's Jim Lee, he had a lot of panels and stuff because he's like, on his Twitter feed, he, on Thursday he's like, met Jim Lee, he's going to give me a Joker sketch, so excited, right? And then, like a couple of days later, the next week, he's at, at DC offices to pick up my Joker sketch from Jim Lee. And you know, it wasn't even grand, it was just Joker's face. And I'm and I'm and I'm saying, you know, this is Mark Hamill. He's like the biggest, like when you when you talk about for for nerds, he's like the biggest name. Well, yeah, right. I mean, he's a done big movie too. He's in a big billion dollar, two billion dollar movie. You know, not just one, two. Right. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, to to do a sketch for Mark Hamill and then say. Oh, come back next week and pick it up. I was like, that is just. You know what, Mark Hamill? Be grateful he didn't take thirteen years. Yeah, really. I mean, is that an okay? Is it me or is that the like the biggest ego ever? Honestly, when I saw it, I was I was like, oh, I want to unfollow Jim Lee. I literally was like, I want to un follow Jim Lee because his ego is the size of you know what it makes Jupiter look small that's how big it is and that's why Superman couldn't get out from under <laughs> yeah yeah he tried hard and, and 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 as much as possible to to bury Superman under his ego yeah I mean and we knew that Lee had control over Superman. Definitely. One, yeah. Scott Snyder went to Dan to deal with his Superman story, and Dan says you have to talk to Jim Lee. Mm-hmm. Two, when we talked to Dan about Lois Lane, and, you know, we didn't see her much of her or anything, he says they pushed her down too far. Yeah. Not we, but Not they. Not me. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. oh, that's kind of telling. 
Yeah, I just find it, and it was incredibly, I mean, for me, rude that Mark Hamill tells you on Thursday, uh, you know, please can I get a, a Joker sketch? Uh, I love your Joker. And Jim Lee's like, yeah, come 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 around to the DC offices next weekend, and I'll and I'll have it for you. I would have been like, screw you, Jim Lee. Yeah, and apparently I mean, he, he doesn't. Apparently he doesn't do sketches at cons. Well, he's a rock star, you know. Ugh, whatever. George Perez did a sketch for me, a Metropolis, right in front of me. He's that talented. Mm-hmm. Dan Juggins did yeah, a sketch Dan for me within, I had it within 24 hours or less. Mm-hmm. And yours was beautiful. It was like so much detail. I remember you sent me a picture of it. Right. It, and it's it's like full body, Lois Lane. Yeah. yeah. And she's got a little a necklace on with a little S symbol on it. It's like, so you know it's Wow. Black. Okay. Yeah. It was very oh. cool. It's way cool. But, you know. And, yeah. I've been, you know, been to cons and, you know, like Kimmy, she got, what did she get first? Did she get Batman first or Superman first? She got Superman first from this guy from Chicago. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. Moy. And, oh, he does mm-hmm. watercolors. Amazing oh, okay. stuff. Art and Franco. You know how many times we hit them up for sketches and stuff? <laughs> when we went to right, and and they And they color it for you and they give it to you and stuff. And they tell um, us all kinds of great stories and stuff because they were writing... Um, the Superman book. Their little tiny, yeah. Super family, yeah. Yeah, and they were telling us all kinds of stuff, you know, and Art, they're both great guys, you know, and Art was telling us he had this idea for a story, and his wife goes, he says, what do you think? Is it good? She goes, that's Jeff John's good. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they're great guys. I mean, I... What they must have done four or five of those with little ones and stuff, and you know we, and that that builds great rapport. They had a Kickstarter for oh yeah comics, you know, and we signed up for that, and and uh, but is this oh well, uh, come around to the offices to pick it up next week. Yeah, it's not even like oh I'll ship it to you. It's like. You come around to the offices and I'll give it to you. Um, to Mark Hamill, I mean, if Mark Hamill asked me for the shirt off my back, if provided I was wearing good underwear underneath, I'd probably give it to him. I'd be like, yeah, 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 here, you know. But, I mean, how can you just tell Mark Hamill, yeah, I'll have your sketch for you come around next week. I mean, that's just incredibly rude. To me. Well, I mean, when they had the Bob Kane star dedication on the oh, Walk of don't Fame, mind me, yeah, it was Zack Snyder and Batman who held up Bob Kane's widow. Yeah, Jim Lee couldn't even be bothered. I mean, Zack Snyder, you can tell what a gentleman because he came 
from wherever he was and he walked down the stairs, held her, and they had like a, uh, um, what you call it, a cosplayer as Batman who held the other side and he said, you know, we'll help you up. Jim Lee, like, couldn't he, he, Jim Lee didn't even know her name. He had to turn around and ask somebody. Oh, but he just loved Bob Kane because he was a bon vivant and all this kind of crap. All that. And I'm sitting there going, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know, Zach Snyder's is not that tall. No. <laughs> so it's not the height thing. It's just, you know, some people can't be bothered. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I saw him at the Wonder Woman panel for the 75th oh, anniversary, Lord. I was yeah, like, again, I think he's why? on the penance tour. <laughs> again. And yes. Nicola kept him straight. I was like, why is he here? And I'm like, good on you, Nicola Scott. You keep him in line. Because she was like, she would just cut him off. And it wasn't like rude or anything. No. He was just saying stuff that was wrong and she would be and she would kindly correct him according to Yeah. Because Yeah, you could see his, his cliff notes on Wonder Woman were but inaccurate. Um and yeah, and she would correct him and tell him why certain things happen, but she would do it in a nice way. She wouldn't be like, No, Jim, you didn't go to the Wonder Woman school. She would just be like, Oh, but you know, in this era this is why Wonder Woman was portrayed like this because you know in the nineteen fifties women had to be homemakers and stuff like right, that. Right, right. And he was like Well I don't know. But he doesn't know Superman and Wonder Woman because he's up Frank Miller's butt. True. Yeah. And Frank Miller don't know yeah, Frank Miller Yeah. If and you think so, Frank Miller's Superman is Superman, then uh, I have no hope for you. Well, and here's the other thing. The reason that Nicola is on the book with Greg Rucka and Liam Sharp is because they have to fix what the New 52 did to mess up Wonder Woman and to just completely obliterate the character. I mean, it was to the point where we were calling her Tierra. Mhm. I mean we called the other names as well. Oh yeah. But but ended up so many names. The nicer name was Tierra and that was saying something. Yeah. Mhm. And you know and, I mean and was loser. Superman. Yeah. Probably Jim Lee was happy with that because he's always thought Superman was a loser. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so. He can't identify with Superman. Yeah, because his immigrant experience isn't my immigrant experience. No, boo-hoo. Cry me a river, Jim Lee. <laughs> Who cares? But, yeah, I just loved how the woman sort of kept him yeah. in line and in check because Patty Jenkins was just all over that. and she was, And you can see she's done her research and her... She directed a Wonder Woman movie. I mean, she does her homework, obviously. And, yeah, I just love that they kept in check. He's a rock star. 
Why does he need to do homework? I know. I wonder if General Mills is going to ask him to do another booberry box. Well, he needs to make money somewhere. Yeah. So that's enough about Jimbo. Okay. Jimbo. We've got lots of theories about rebirth and, you know. So, uh, well, let me ask you this, because you said, you know, you thought that um, the Watchmen were watching over certain uh, characters, and my son thought it would be more or less Justice League characters, but what was your ideas on that? No, no, I I agree with the whole, because I think it's going to come down to Watchmen versus Justice League, right? Right. Um, I think Wally West will be very involved. Oh, yeah. Um, at the ball right now. Him and the Titans have the ball. Yeah, I think he and the Titans are going to be very involved. Right. Um, and I think we're going to need a lot of the DC teams to be involved to take down the Watchmen because especially when you have someone like Dr. Manhattan. Right. I mean, I did research when, when, that, when they said the whole Dr. Manhattan name and the DC Universe uh, Rebirth book came out, and it was confirmed that it's Dr. Manhattan. I mean, he is a powerhouse. Oh, yeah. Okay? I mean, he could, like, obliterate Superman because he he controls things on the atomic level. Right. He's Captain Adam. He's based on Captain Adam. Yeah, he is based on Captain Adam. And then what um, Alan Moore did is he just upped it to the point of ridiculousness. Right. Because I think that's what he does. And, I mean, I was reading about Captain, uh, not Captain, Dr. Manhattan. Right. And it's, uh, you know, because I was like, how could he create a universe? And then I discovered he controls cosmic energy. And I was like, oh, well, why don't you just, Tell, why don't you just say, you know what, this guy's God, um, and just leave it like that because he could even go boof and kill Zeus, you know. Right. Um, and you know why they that, call him Doctor Manhattan? It's a oh, kind of a callback to the Manhattan Project. And we're ah, okay. That makes yeah. sense. It wasn't yeah. because you know he's the stock market or the fashion fair. It's because <laughs> there was a Manhattan Project and that dealt very much so with that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it it dealt with, with nuclear power and stuff and yeah. Yeah. All crazy crazy science, but yeah. true science. True so, science. um, yeah, because I was like, okay, so who would you match up, you know, which Watchmen? Well, he said Ozymandias for Superman because it's Mr. Oz. But I said, mm-hmm. I don't think it is. I think it's... No, yeah. Yeah. I um, would actually... And so, it, you know, I thought it was the hooded one, but then now that they're keep doing all these kind of like Crisis on Infinite Earth callbacks, I'm thinking it's Pariah, so... And I wondered why Pariah had the same green cloak as the hooded one, so whatever. Um, and I, I took that a bit further because when I was reading about Pariah, I heard that he hung out with one of my favorite DC characters, uh-huh. actually, Harbinger. Yes. Um, I really, for some odd reason, I really like Harbinger. 
Um, I suppose it's because in the 1990s, I was reading Dan Jurgens' comics, and right. he liked using the character a lot. Um, now, who was her dad? And, because her... What was her dad? Uh, you know, I did all this research, and I've just gone out of my head, and what's right. basically... I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's in my head. Nutritional okay. facts. Nutritional facts, because I'm doing a nutrition um, assignment where I have to rectify fad diets and make them healthy for people. Um, <laughs> Eat raw. So, yeah. And I was like, yeah, basically, no GMOs, drink water, you know. Third water. Uh, Livable water. Uh, Living water. Yeah. Clean yeah. water. Um. Okay, Harbinger DC Comics, also created by Marv Wolfman. Again, who created Christ? And George, yeah, uh, and George Perez, yeah. Uh, la 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 la. Also appeared in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yep. La 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 la. I mean, her power. Yeah, she's got a lot of power. Uh, uh, rescued from certain doom. Okay, she was given incredible powers by the Monitor. Yes. So, definitely would be a point of contention for the Anti-Monitor, I would think. Yes, yes, definitely. She first appeared in yep. the New Teen Titans when, when that's Marv Wolfman and George Perez's creation. And then they were mm-hmm. asked, they, then they did Crisis on Infinite Earth together. Yep. Yep. Uh, I wonder if I can just search who is her daddy. Uh, that would come up with so many bad things. Maybe I think, I think it may have, I just, thinking of the monitor reference, I was like, okay, what is it about her dad or... Yeah. Um, uh, Hoppinger joined the news. Allies with Pariah and Lady Quark during the War of the Gods. Yeah. And she was... And I tried to look up the War of the Gods. Mm-hmm. I, I think I know... What the War of the Gods is? It happened in Wonder Woman. If I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. Um, I think I am wrong. She was offered memberships with the Amazon tribe of Themyscira. Yeah, it's centered on in uh, on Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Celebrate the character's 50th anniversary. Oh, knock me over. Somebody remembered that. It was written and drawn by George Perez. You know, the guy who catched Lois and Clark together in front of me. <laughs> uh, uh, the War of the Gods is where Hippolyta dies, if I remember correctly. And and one woman takes on Darkseid and stuff. Hmm. 
Oh, check this out. George Perez's disputes with DC. Around the time of this story, George Perez was having editorial problems that caused troubles and problems writing the storyline even from its inception. He felt that DC Mm. Comics was not doing enough to celebrate Wonder Woman's anniversary, but in turn would promote the story also. DC did not plan the story for newsstand distribution, but for retail stores only. Originally, the final issue was going to have Steve Trevor and Etta Candy Mary, an event he had been building up to since the series was relaunched. DC stopped it, so the next writer following Perez, uh, William Mesner Loeb, would do it instead. Because of this, Perez would separate himself from DC for several years. <laughs> yeah. What's Sparky doing in this stuff? Okay. Okay, so War of the Gods, there's 25 parts of it. There's War of the Gods 1, Wonder Woman, this is Volume 2, number 58, Superman the Man of Steel, number 3. Was that the lowest issue or was that the... No, that would have been Louise Simon. Hawkworld, 15, Starman, 38, Legion, 31, Hawk and Dove, 28, uh, Captain Adam, 56, Dr. Fate, 32, Flash, 55, Wonder Woman, 59, Dr. Fate, 33, War of Gods, 2, Justice League Europe, 31, Batman, 470, Hawkworld, 16, Animal Man, 40, Captain Adam, 57, Wonder Woman, 60, Suicide Squad, 58, uh, War of the Gods, number 3, The Demon, 17, New Titans, 81, Wonder Woman, 61, and War of the Gods, 4. So, is Tej still on? No, hold on. Hey, you're back. So, uh, hey, I'm Hello. In, I completely admit God... More the gods, so that's another thing I have to read. Oh, <laughs> only twenty five books. I mean, whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I was reading along as you as you were talking about it. Yeah. Uh, with this DC disputes. Dun dun dun. Yeah, interesting enough, and I won't read it tonight. But if in the front of uh, in front and back of the first issue of Crisis on Infinite Earth. Mauler Wolfman does a letter to the reader and explains why they had to make the changes that they had to make changes, and it just sounded like the new 52. Some of it, they <laughs> used the same rhetoric, and uh, now Rebirth has a different rhetoric. It's like, oh, we're going to do character building. Oh, really? <laughs> it's not going to be splash page, splash page, splash page. I'll give it a variant cover. Comics are so much better than they used to be. Oh, yeah. Good, good times. Yep. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I actually showed Holly a thing from Superman Volume 2, 59, um, which was written by Dan Juggins, drawn by Dan Juggins, um, where there was this hooded figure following Lois and Clark on their date, following them in the park, following them to work, saying, hmm, 
you don't have it. talking very mysteriously and I'm like hold the phone one second is there a hooded figure following these people I'm not saying it's Harbinger I'm not saying that that's you know I figured it out or whatever I just think it could be it could be these people that she belongs to because um they basically deal with time space uh, they they take time. Basically, in this issue, what happens is is one of my all time favorite issues ever. It, and it's a and it's a one and done issue, but it also deals with issues from before, and it leads into things that will happen after. But you can read it by itself. Right. Um, it's the Mount Fuji issue. Yes, the Mount Fuji issue. Um. And it basically deals with, uh, it opens up with Superman saving this huge um, ship. You know, uh, he saves people. And then he races home to go and have a date with Lois. Um, Can't have a date with Lois because he has trouble somewhere. And Lois is like, no, no, it's fine. You know, we can have duck a la orange later. You know, doesn't matter. And so this hooded figure is following them around and says, you know what? Superman doesn't have enough time, right? And there's another, it happens again. They go on a date in the park and he has to rush off to go and save someone. And so what happens is Superman, um, and, and Lois tells him to go, but she gets a bit frustrated because she's like, well, when am I going to spend time with the man that I love? Because now she knows the secret and everything. Um, so he flies back after he saves somebody. He says, dress warmly, you know, I want to take you somewhere. And so this hooded figure pops up there and says, I'm going to give them time. Right? And basically, they, they fly to Mount Fuji. They talk about that whole thing. How can he be Superman and love her at the same time? All that sort of thing. And what I love about this issue is that there's like, Superman makes it clear to to Lois that he is Clark Kent first and that he will always have time for her and have time to save people. And that he cannot save people 24-7 because that's not that's not how it works. Right. right? Not possible. And it's not possible, right? And he explains it to her so eloquently. He's like, if I did that, I'd basically go insane because then that means I wouldn't have time for my mother. I wouldn't have time for the Daily Planet. I wouldn't have time to eat, sleep, drink, have a glass of, uh, I think he says, have a glass of orange juice or something. I don't know. And he says... I can't be that person ever. Basically, he's saying he can't be a battling alien 24-7. <gasps> anyway, and he says, you know, I need Clark Kent more than I need Superman because Clark Kent does good as well as a reporter. And he says, Superman, he says, yes, I make the choice and the decisions but I've learned to live with it 
and that happened in an earlier issue with Kismet, where he, where she tells him, uh, Kismet basically means, if you don't know, it means fate and destiny. And so this is what the character is all about. She's like, if you choose to save this person, somebody else is dying. And you can't be in two places at the same time. And she explains that to him. And so he basically says, you know, I've learned to live with that because I know it's physically impossible for me to be in two places at the same time. I'm not God. I'm just somebody who's here to help. And so anyway, um, this harbinger person, right, is a hooded figure following them around, and she stops time for Superman and Lois Lane to have this conversation. And basically, she creates a time pool for them. She doesn't stop what's what's happening, events happening around them, happening all over the world. What she just does is she creates a bubble of time where they feel like time hasn't moved. And then when they return, they discover, oh, you know, it's like, it's like... 8 p.m. or something, and Lois has got a deadline and stuff. And so that happens, right? But what happens, because Harbinger creates this time bubble, it, the ripple effect happens, and that leads to an event that happens later where uh, Cat Grant's son is, not because of Superman or anything like that, but inadvertently that's the result you know, they, they they say there's always a, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction and that sort of thing. And the, so that's how the, the whole time thing balances itself out. So I was thinking, well, you know, these people deal with time manipulation. Dealing time from here to give time to somebody else. Taking time from here, creating a bubble doing this, they, they, that's what they deal with, right? And these people are, let me try and explain this without confusing everybody. They're the brotherhood that have visited the vanishing point. Now, the vanishing point is the the point at which, let me try and get this right, Um, the point where, at which you you sort of entered into the source wall, like the, the opening to the source wall. And the source wall, like, contains everything. If, if the source wall disappears, then reality itself ceases to exist. And so they have seen the vanishing point, and from there they've become this, this group called the Linear Men. Even though Harbinger's a woman. Shh, don't tell her. Um, and so I, I felt it kind of strange that they deal with this whole hooded person who can't be seen but is monitoring um, Clark and Lois and talking about, you know, time and that sort of thing. It also deals with Wave Rider, his present and and future uh, versions who wear the hood and who covers his true identity from everybody. So that's why he's wearing a hood. And 
yeah, you know, I just found it strange. Hmm. And and when I showed uh, Holly the the comic clips and stuff, she was like, "Where's this from? Where is this from? This looks very familiar." <laughs> so, right. Yeah, I just found it. I was like, does this look familiar to you, Holly? A hooded person walking around saying, hello, Clark, you need more time. Well, the other thing is, Time Rider, right after Clark started to propose to Lois, remember they Mm -hmm. got interrupted by Banshee? And then after that, immediately after that, after he told her, you know, when he revealed he was Superman. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. 50. Time Rider goes and snatches him, and he's gone for three months. Yes. But Lawson fell asleep, and he only seemed to be gone three hours. Yes. And he was very worried, because, you know, here he had just, you know, revealed he was Superman, and then, boom, he's gone three mm-hmm. months. But... In Lois's time, it was only three hours, so mm-hmm. that was another time that you know time got switched around too. So yeah, and uh, Wave Rider was uh, created by Archie Goodwin and Dun 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 Dan Juggins. Yep. Um, and his his ability is basically to time travel. Right. And he's part of the Linear Men. Right. And they kind of monitor the waves of time and for disturbances and whatnot. So Yeah, uh the 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 base is basically the vanishing point. Uh Rip Hunter is also part of the, the team. Uh it was created by Dan Jurgens again, nineteen ninety one. Well isn't Rip Hunter Booster Gold's son? Uh, you know, I, yes, I think so. Yes. But it's, well, it's just, a weird uh, relationship, and then... It's a weird relationship. Hunter is the son of Booster Gold. Okay, it's very uh, it's a very simple relationship. It, it, <laughs> that's what it says. <laughs> um, yeah. Not really. But remember, excuse me, and remember in Justice League International, annual number one, Booster Gold was chasing Rip Hunter. Yeah. Yeah, and in the Booster Gold convergence, he meets Rip Hunter. And they go to the vanishing point. And I don't know, Booster Gold stopped for takeout. He he didn't get his (laughs) correct toy. Uh, uh, I don't know. In his in his Happy Meal, they gave him the wrong toy, so he had to turn around, and he's gone back to the 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 place, and he's still going to the vanishing point. I mean, they're time travelers. They should be. They travel at light speed. Yeah, they should. But they take. They should be there already, but they're still getting there. I don't know. Um, I I mean, it's Booster Gold, right? He can be heroic. But he can also be an idiot sometimes, and I don't know. He got lost. Where he is, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure Booster Gold's gonna come and save us one day. <laughs> one day. Yeah, and poor Jeff Johns. He thought he said Booster's gonna be back soon. 
soon. I hate when Jim Johnson says soon. For woman's pregnancy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jeff. I know you're with yourself soon, honey. (sighs) Okay. And you know what's funny? You know what's funny is Jeff Johns loves Booster Gold. And Dan Jurgens loves Booster Gold. And they can fix all of the stuff with Booster Gold because yeah. Booster Gold knows that the New 52 is a, excuse my language, shit universe and should have been destroyed just after Justice League 12. Yeah, really. How it how we got to 50 issues beyond me. Um, and, yeah, okay. Booster... I know you're going to the vanishing point, but did you vanish along the way? Like, what happened? Okay. So, yeah, I still say it's going to tie back to that. Yeah, they're going to wrap that, that Justice League. That Justice League International is going to come back. Oh, yeah. They got all these dangling threads that they're going to knit into a nice little story. Mm-hmm. So, maybe we should do the comics now. Yeah, before we run out of time. Yeah. So, Nightwing. Yeah. Him and, what's his name, Raptor, whatever. Uh, they're in yeah, he, him, and, him and Raptor are going at it, um, basically, for this entirety of this issue. Uh, they're fighting. And fighting. And fighting. Yeah, and it's kind of cool because... Um, Batgirl is in Tokyo, and in her book, she is in Tokyo. Yep. Mm-hmm. So um, they're supposed to, like, you know, have this date. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just doesn't want Dick and Babs to be together just yet. Right. So she's kicking butt in Tokyo, and then she's talking to him on the comm, and she says, Tomorrow night, midnight, I'll text you the location. Oh, and you better bring me my present. He says, well, I can't give it to anyone else. It's got your name on it. He literally does. Literally does have her name on it, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, him and Raptor have to do these these missions, and Raptors has to make sure that Nightwing carries through because Nightwing that really doesn't want to work for the Court of Owls, but he's in there to find out what the hell they're doing. So... Um, then we get, like, zombie people. Yeah, it's so confusing. They're, they're undergroundlings. Don't don't know what they are. It's very confusing. But they're feeding them people. Yeah, yeah. It, they're just disgusting people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it all has to deal with the, the Court of Owl thingy. Mhm. And so they get another assignment and they go off and they fight each other. Yeah, whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like, oh, and so Babs is waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And you know, she can't get a hold of him and she's leaving him voice messages. Um she says, you know, I was just wondering if you got the location I texted you. She said, I thought I thought it was a date. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so he finally reads the text. He's on the other side of the world, of course. 
She's mm. where there's sunshine. He's got the moon out. And she's giving... Yeah, I think he's in Turkey somewhere. Mm. Uh, Greece. Greece, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And so that's completely different time zones, yeah. <laughs> but Greece is after... He can still technically... No, no, he can't. Because midnight would have passed in Tokyo. Okay, never mind. There's not got confused with time zones. <laughs> yeah. He can't make it. Nope. <laughs> so he's still... I'm sorry. He's still fully farting around with Raptor when he should be dating Babs, okay? Yes. <sighs> he should have ditched Raptor. Listen, the only reason I'm reading that girl and Nightwing is to find out if they get together. If they don't do that, I'm dropping both books. Oh, I forgot to mention when we were talking about Suicide Squad, it was well on its way to 140 million, and that was yesterday. The first day was people could see it. Yeah. So. Yeah. They they had a they had a pre-screening on Thursday, which did really well. Um, you know what? Uh, just sorry to to go off on this tangent, but. DC Films is doing just fine overseas. Uh, because I was looking at Batman v Superman, right? It did fantastic in, in Brazil. It did fantastic in India. It set records in India. And apparently it competed with the biggest Bollywood hit that came out. Literally, like, this Bollywood hit shattered records and it had like the top actor and actress acting in it and Batman v Superman not only kept nose to nose with it it overtook it because it ran longer in India so I mean it it, it shattered records in South Africa I haven't seen numbers like that when when they released the numbers um, for for March and April, right? Smashed it. It was like the 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 last, and and this isn't just months, like how the U.S. the U.S. does it, like you know, broke record for July or broke record for August. Right. This is like all time records. The the last previous highest movie the that had done this well was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two, which was the last Harry Potter movie, and I mean, if it competed with that, I mean, yeah. So, it's just the American base that's getting all these bad reviews that's not making them do so well. Yeah, Americans are just... It's because you all trust critics too much. It's like, oh, critics' word is gold, and... In like like I know South Africa, we don't even read critics' reviews anymore. We're just like, I'll make my own opinion. Thank you very much. Well, you know, it's it's just like anything else in America nowadays. Whoever slips them the most money gets their vote. True, true that. And um, <laughs> I forgot to mention when I was in Suicide Squad, they showed the Doctor Strange preview trailer thing and someone behind me right was like is this the new season of Sherlock 
What's Benedict Cumberbatch doing? What? What's Benedict Cumberbatch doing on my on the big screen, right? And and they were so confused. And then they and then they showed Marvel pictures, right? And then some wise crack in the in the way in the front that fuck Marvel, we don't care. Show us Suicide Squad. So yeah, and Civil War didn't do well in in SA because they took it off and they put BVS back on the IMAX. So yeah, yeah. We apparently we don't like Marvel here. Yeah. Um. So Justice League. Um. Again, the Green Lanterns are having trouble with their rings and stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. I like the variant cover of Wonder Woman. Yeah, Very that's nice. The variant cover of Wonder Woman. Mhm. So they're they're splitting in Hong Kong and they're trying to help people and then Central City. Um, Barry runs into zom- red-eyed zombies. And what's with the zombies lately? Um, and then there's like these fishy things that come in, and mm-hmm. they're kindred. I don't know. They look like yeah. I'm calling them bugs for now. Huh? I'm calling them bugs. They they either look like squid or bugs. So, and then we get to Atlantis, and it's crumbling, and uh, mm-hmm. so Arthur hears singing, and it these crystals form a say it, centaur with an arrow. I don't know what that's about. Mm-hmm. And then it's, he goes it's off. It's called the zodiac crystals. Yeah. So well, that's Sagittarius then. Yep. Uh, the Watchtower, um, you got the two Green Lanterns, Cyborg and Flash, discussing world events, uh, earthquakes, etc. Um, are they talking of, oh yeah, fault lines. And so it's the outer core of the planet, and so what are those? And that's the question, isn't it? So, um, something's going on with the outer core of the Earth. And you got Wonder Woman, Batman. So they, she, she looks at Batman. She says, "You need to ask Kim," <laughs> meaning Superman. <laughs> you know, because they just can't handle all this. You know? No, yeah, I mean, it's it's like what Lois said. There's no Justice League without Superman. Right. Sorry, that's the truth. So when they see how see, there's a payload, biological weapons saw them in Gotham, and Cyborg says, I'll take care of the breach. You all get down there and deal with with it. I'll catch up. And then Batman says, if Gotham's any indication, this is going to be a plague. And Flash says, what are you going to do? And Batman says, I'm going to call, get him. Good. <laughs> Meanwhile, we got red. You know what I? You know what I? Things in the sky and everybody, and they're called the kindred. The kindred must thrive. Mhm. Sorry, sorry to butt in. Um, you know what I caught here was the exchange between Batman and Wonder Woman. Right. 
because there's there's one panel after Flash says, uh, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to get him, right? And then there's a, a the it's Batman, and then he's looking at Diana, and I'm wondering, oh, are we finally going to see that whole secret? We have yeah, se- some secret connection between the two of them that Clark doesn't know about. Yeah. That would have been loser. That would have been loser, yes. So apparently these crystals formed a man and there are Atlanteans inside of it? Yeah. That's weird. (laughs) Yeah. So in in Metropolis, Superman's already on the job. (laughs) One of the fishy things. Falling from the sky. Because that's the way Clark rolls. So Batman says, he's not my friend, not the man I trusted with my life, but he's just as much a Superman. No kidding, buddy. He's been here a while and kept it secret until my friend died. He watched all of us without us knowing. Watched as we fought Darkseid, Rao, all the other. So they're bringing uh, Justice League of America that Hitch wrote into this as well. Mm-hmm. I don't trust him. I didn't trust, I don't trust that there aren't secrets about him that could harm us or worse. But there's no choice if the world has a chance, it's with him. So. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Batman's like, it's so he's talking to Superman and says, it's worse than you know, and we need help. It's a job for Superman, for you. We need the impossible. We need you to go to the center of the earth. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. So, Batman, when are you going to get on this big mystery thing about what, why we had to endure the New 52? Dude, I want to know what Batman's doing. Apparently, we need to read Batman because I don't know he's tangoing with psycho pirate, and whatever. Yeah. But like, I'm just imagining Batman sitting on a chair drinking a you know a mai tai. Well, apparently, he's and... his own Suicide Squad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you, I, I'm like. Dude, you're Batman. You're supposed to be like the world's greatest detective, and you've just been handed the world's greatest mystery. And I don't know, are you learning how to make soup from Alfred or something? What are you doing? Yeah. What is the dummy detective doing? You find something in your cave, in a crack in your cave. And you know it's not of this world. Well, what do you do? Ignore it? It appeared out of lightning, out of thin air. And he's, like, not intrigued by it. I'm like, dude, what even? And then you get Wally West coming in and telling him stuff, and he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, you know, Batman's not interested. I don't know. I mean, Catwoman isn't even distracting him, so I don't know what's his deal, you know. Yeah. He needs a little Catwoman right now. 
The Catwoman has disappeared. We can't find her. She was in his first book. She was in his rebirth book. Yeah, and then she just disappeared. Yeah. She's like, shoop, gone. Nowhere. Yeah. So, Superman. Dun, dun, dun. Yay. Um, Clark has Lois and John at New 52's Fortress of Solitude, the rebuilt one, I assume. Mm-hmm. And he's the like, one with the open oh, door. John's safe. And so they're yelling at him, you know, Whoa. Meanwhile, the Eradicator's there, you know, they want John because they think he's an anomaly and, you know, all that kind of that there stuff because, you know, he's not pure Kryptonian. So during the fight, um, Lois is on some stairs and starts to fall and John runs after her, and uh, so the Eradicator wants to cleanse, because that's their one of their purposes. And uh, John's like, Mom, you're hurt because of me. And she says, I'm okay, John. None of this is your fault. He says, maybe that's, that thing's right. I'm not like you. I'm not like Dad. And um, he says, after Goldie, I promise I wouldn't kill again. But right now, she says, John, don't listen to it. Listen to me. You have the best of both worlds inside you. You can be great. Choose to be. Lois Lane. Ace. Lois Lane. If you need a pep talk, just go to the book of Lois Lane. Yeah. So basically, you know, John was going to get into that thing, well, I'm a half-breed, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Lois is like, hey, you're the best of both of us. And look at it like mm-hmm. that. And you just have to choose to be that. Not, Don't be a victim. Be, you mm. know, choose to be great. So he zips up his S shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and he starts out his little uh, heat vision. Yeah, he sews um, Crypto's cape to his. Jacket. Yeah. To his jacket. Mm-hmm. And then his mother says, go, John. While Radicator's beating up his dad, and John goes, dad. And they both punch Eradicator at the same time. It was pretty damn awesome. Pretty damn awesome, if I say so. Yeah. I really enjoyed this comic. Yeah. Yep. And that's just that's just opening to the title page. <laughs> yeah. So Eradicator's kind of like lost his head. Mm-hmm. And goes, did we do that? And Clark says, Lois, tuck and roll. And she says, the Eradicator's <laughs> going to. And so she tucks and rolls. Clark protects her and John. And... Uh, Eradicator's throwing a temper tantrum. No, we are Krypton and we are gone. The souls of Krypton are lost again. Krypton, listen inside you. You took them. Oh, this is getting scary now. The life Mm. of a dying world forever lost, shattered. We became their haven from the cold void. Preserved their Kryptonian legacy within ourselves. And you just uh, see... Huh? You just see all these you just see all these like souls coming out of him. Right. And then you see John and Lois and Clark all yelling 
they're screaming and you can hear the chant, we are one, we are one, we are one. And then there's a big whoosh at the Fortress of Solitude. This was a surprise. This was a pleasant surprise. Yes, I haven't seen him in the New 52. No, he wasn't. And then out of nowhere, he pops in. Yeah. One of my favorite characters. You want to do this section? Uh, okay, I'm going to try not to do it in Bibo's voice that I have in my head. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's uh, in Metropolis, and we're in a bar, you know, dingy, dodgy type of place. Uh, they say, ready, winner takes all, and um, I'm going to flap your jaw all day for arm wrestle. <laughs> so it's tough talk, Bibo, but we're going down. Just like your hero, Superman. And then Bibbo's got this face, like, don't you dare, don't you dare, you know, dishonor Superman, the face we all get. And so he takes down this guy that he's arm wrestling with, and they were arm wrestling over what he thinks is a moon rock. Um, And, you know, he's saying, oh, this thing doesn't even have a certificate of authenticity, very big words for Bibo to use, I might add. Um, and the guy's like, oh, the astronaut, astronaut told me they need no certificate. And he says, well, something, this cool goes in the collection. And he has a wall dedicated to Superman. Um, unfortunately, it's New 52 loses Superman. Uh, but I, I was like, yeah, Bibo is like us, you know, because we all have this shrine to Superman. Um, and so then the boss starts shaking, and there's this burning smell, and then fire surrounds them everywhere. And on the pool table is, uh, and Bibo's got the shock of his life. Because he thought Superman died, and on the bar table is pre fifty two Superman John and Lois. Uh, John and Superman are unconscious, but Lois is the action lady, and she gets straight into it. So Bibbo's trying to protect her. He's like, "Don't know where you came from, but stay down, lady." And she says, "Something's wrong. They're in pain." Uh, she's talking about Superman and John because they're, they're moaning and they're unconscious and, and Clark says, Crypto, keep barking, boy. Keep fighting. And so then they see that this light is whooshing around and circulating this moon rock. Uh, and so Lois says, Moon rock? That's no moon rock. And I... I, I thought this was a callback to Star Wars, the first one, where they say, that's no moon, that's, that's a base. And, and um, you know, she's like, it, there's got to be a trace of kryptonite inside. And Bibo says, kryptonite? She says, a piece of their world drawing the spirits here. But it's hurting my my, my friends. I have to get rid of it. And Lois jumps into action. Uh, the souls 
going to this guy that was arm wrestling Bibo. And they're like, we burn, we are lost, we are broken. And Bibo says, that lady is trying to help Big Blue. And if my page can turn. Okay. And so uh, Bibo jumps in and he says, any friend of Soup's is a friend of mine. And so Lois is reaching out to the moon rock and she's like, please, all of you, listen. Krypton is gone. That is just a piece of a long dead planet. If you care at all for its last surviving suns, then please let it go. And the souls are listening to Lois. And as she reaches out to grab the the, the rock that the roll that the souls are swirling around, is a hand reaching out towards her. Um, and it's the guy that was possessed, and he says, give us our world. And so Lois grabs the, the rock, and she says, get rid of it. Close it stays near Superman, the worse he gets, and she tosses it to Bibbo. And he says, oh, do I have to? And she says, save Superman. And Bibbo says, for soups. And he throws it out of his, out of the bar, through the window, and Lois is kicking the guy that tried to grab her in he's in the nuts. And then all the souls say, "We are exiled, exiles. Shouldn't that be exiled? Anyway, um, and they swirl around Superman, and then Superman screams, "We are exiles!" No, the souls scream, broken, burning. Superman groaning. And then somebody says, uh, Superman says, lost. And somebody says, you're not lost, son. And he says, Pa? And then we get a scene with Pa Kent. <laughs> and um, Pa says, you're... You're always right where someone needs you to be. And Clark says, can you come with me? Pa says, can't do that, son. You got your own family to look after. It's the duty of the, of the living to carry on the name of those of us who, who can't so we can rest easy. So that we can be free. And then Superman says, yes, free. And you see all the souls are turning white and they're looking at him and he, and Lois says, are you talking to them? Can you hear them, Clark? And he says, I'm tapped into them somehow. And they say they're whole again, free, for the first time since. And then John screams, the eradicator! The eradicator lies. Should I continue or do you want to... Hello, Holly? Did I lose you? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. Uh, so then the eradicator pops up and he's like, freedom is only within. And he's sucking the souls back in, clearly trapping them, not letting them able to pass on and to rest. 
And Clock says no, and the Eradicator says we are one. Um. So he's sucking all the souls into himself again. And he says we will restore our life force and protect your sanctity from this half breed. And John says, "Stay away from me." And then the eradicates the soul, soul, soul assimilation and power regeneration, initializing power core reboot in ten cycles. And John says, "Come on, Dad, we have to." And he says, "No, John, getting you and your mom someplace safe top priority." You 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 have to learn when to stay and when to go. So then the eradicator is counting down. Bibble says, Superman, run. The eradicator says, Our world awaits, Kalel, the house of your father and your mother. Why run from your birthright? You're crazy, eradicator. Uh, so it's counting down six and he's chasing them. He says, when you can walk down your ancestral halls once again, the boy stands in the way of our future. Um, and then John says, "Blasts are getting closer, Dad. I can't. I can't help. Can't I help? Do something?" And he says, "Use your heat vision, and watch. Uh, steam might give us some cover." That doesn't work. The eradicator still chase them, he's too fast, he's counting down, oh. and Lo says, he won't, he won't stop clock, he's right behind us, you have to face him, he says, not here, not with, not with you, too many innocent people, and then clock starts talking to the souls again, he says, yes, I'm listening, um, Lo says, the spirits, they're still talking to you, what are they saying, clock says, they want us to they want they want to help buy us a little time. Saying they're at peace with what they're about to do because their hope is in Krypton's sons. And so the souls go back into the eradicator and they create an explosion and they try to kill him. Um And so Bibble is talking to the guy that he was arm wrestling. He says, did you see that those ghosts that were inside me blew up the other Superman into the harbor? Bibble says, that abomination ain't no Superman. Chump for brains. (laughs) He says, fine. Super Terminator then. I've seen the movies. Those guys never stay down for long. And Clark then sees a submersible and he puts Lois and John in there and he, you know, Lois says, Clark, you know, I trust you. He says, the O2 tanks are full and the subs built for the deepest oceanic trenches. Hang on. So he takes the submersible and he's flying and the other guy says, where's he running to now? And Bibbo says, he ain't running, you idiots. Oh, my app just crashed. <sighs> um, 
Open the page. And so he's flying towards the moon with Lois and John in the sub. And Bibbo says, what does Bibbo say? Uh, he ain't running. The Man of Steel's got a plan. Next issue is Hell Moon. What an exhilarating issue. Ooh, I'm out of breath reading it. Yeah, so Clark's got a plan. He's going to take him to the moon in a oxygen full of undersea submarine stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, Clark, what are you up to? Um, I, and, and I was more like, Peter Tomasi, where is the story going? But it's it's interesting. Yeah. You know, it, it's... Um, it's like an adventure that we're on suddenly, you know. And what I love is is that that Lois Lane pep talk, where she tells John to basically, you know, stop being that emo kid from the first issue. She's like, you don't have to think negatively about your heritage that we've given you, right? And you know. She says you're the best of both worlds, not the worst, as the 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 eradicated thinks. Right. And so she tells him to be, you know, super. And and that's why, you know, there's that there's that famous line that without Lois Lane, Superman wouldn't be Superman because she makes him a Superman, and. I'm just glad that they're transferring that to John, where she gives him confidence and that that army pep talk sort of thing. Yeah. So basically he can choose to be the best of both of them. Right. It's it's that whole thing we were talking about is that Superman chooses to be good. That's why he's a hero. You know, Batman chooses to be vengeful. That's why he's the Dark Knight, you know. Right. And so she's basically telling John here, you can choose to be Damian Wayne or you can choose to be your father's son. Right. So, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it was good. And I'm just waiting now because... Peter Tomasi at, at Comic-Con said, you know, Lois has something coming up in issue five. And I'm like, what's she going to do on the moon? <laughs> you know, this is this will take that whole Lois can't go on adventures with them thing. If she if she helps them on the moon right. in space. Right. Right. It, where Wonder Woman can't go and stuff. It'll just show. Yeah, she's the powerhouse. Yeah. So, you know, he's making her super mom, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, Very happy with that. Yeah, good comics this week. Um, Very good. Wednesday we'll see Action 961. We've got a preview. Uh, Lex is 
but you know, my Wonder Woman and takes care of Doomsday while Clark gets his son and wife sconded away, so they're not in the line of fire. Uh, Lex is doing helping with the cleanup, getting people out of Metropolis because you know things are happening, and Clark Kent. Um, is like kind of critiquing Lex's work. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, Clark Kent's become Lois Lane yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, he says, you think that'll hold? He goes, Kent, if the broken arm isn't it's sufficient proof you don't have powers, the fact that you aren't helping certainly is. He says, because there is no way a real Superman would stand by and not involve himself. Well, loser didn't. And and Clark says, I've already told you, I'm not. He says, I heard you the first hundred times, Kent. Now stand back. So he's welding with his eyeballs or whatever. So um, then there's debris falling from the sky, and Clark Kent says, oh, no, Luther, do something. And Luther goes, what? And (laughs) he's about ready to hit a woman and her child, and, and the woman says, oh, my God. And then there's this Red and blue, purple and blue spoosh. Mm-hmm. And uh, gets the uh, mother and her child out of harm's way. And the mother says, how? And um, someone says, you'll be safe here. And she goes, who? And the girl says, a woman, Mama, a superwoman. And Superwoman oh. is on sale on Wednesday as well. So Lois Lane as Superwoman is being introduced in Action Comics, as she should be. Mm-hmm. So while Clark is like, even Lex admits that whoever saved this people wasn't him. He goes, wait, over here, you need to see this. So that's Clark saying it to Luther. And then Mr. Oz is looking on the screen, and he goes, curious. I don't know why he thinks it's curious, and he's doing the manipulation. He says, a Lex Luthor Superman, a human content, and how now there's emergence of a super-powered Lois Lane, more players to the game. Mm-hmm. Is a game now? You know, I don't think this Mr. Oz is a grand manipulator. Right. I think he is an observer. Right. Of of the grand manipulator. Let's put Mm -hmm. it that way. Uh, Because he's done bugger all except watch TV. (laughs) Um, I sent Clark a book. Oh, yeah, and he sent Clark a blank book. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, he he is the most useless. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to regret saying this because he's going to do something amazing, especially since Dan Juggins is writing action, and he's primarily in action comics. Um I'm sure he's going to he's going to turn around and there's something that he's that he's going to do, but I mean, he's literally just sitting around watching TV. Yeah. And and he's got that staff, and that staff has changed his form, and, you know. That staff has changed from 
when John Romita's John Romita drew it any which way he wanted. Right. Um. Now it's it it was you used to call it a sight, and I told you, in the next issue, I was like, no, it's like a stick, it's like a twig, right? And you're like, but in the last issue it was a sight, and we were like so confused. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just like, whatever this dude is doing. I mean, this could be like a shepherd's tool for all we know. That's yeah. kind of confusing. You know what's interesting? You know what's interesting? Uh, next week, comics that are coming out. Batman Superman, uh, Volume 4, yeah. Siege, which has Batman Superman Annual Number 2, where Clark can dies. Right. And that that so the, that arc you were looking for the title of it was called Truth. Remember? Yeah, I, I figured it out. I was like, oh, this is why I forgot it because yeah. it was Truth, Justice, and I was like, think bullshit, bullshit, more bullshit. Look at this shit. Oh, this is hot crap. Yeah. This is donkey poo. I mean, it's like yeah. In this preview, what I like is Clark Kent is basically taking Lois Lane's role. You know how everybody's... Uh, she it's a role reversal, yeah. He's like, he's figured out, he's already done the investigating. He's already got to, you know, he knows people have told him that Doomsday jumped out of the ship. Hello? You know? Yeah. So, you know, he's giving, you know, he has good information you know, he's not mm-hmm. super, so he can't do it himself, but he's trying to relay it to Lex, who he's only got to work with right now. Uh, but, but, you know, that it has to do with the ship. Hello? You know? When Lois does and it, you know, he never does anything. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I love about this, and I hope it's going this way, is I said I would love if Superwoman and that whole thing did... A role reversal. Right. Where Clark Kent is Lois Lane and Lois Lane becomes Superman. Right, exactly. Because I I said I would just find that, like, especially written by Phil Jimenez. Right. Because I think he's a fantastic writer to handle both male and female um, sides of the conversation well. Right. Right. And And he loves Lois. I mean, he's like... I just checked his uh, Twitter feed, and he's like, um, I can't wait for DC to launch these, these previews of Superwoman because the most frustrating thing about writing Superwoman is I can't give you guys the previews. Yeah. And so, he, you know, seeing, seeing somebody excited about what they're doing makes right. you excited. Oh, yeah. Yeah, release the previews. <laughs> release the previews. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm excited for next week's comics because right. we got a preview of Wonder Woman and oh my gosh, Holly, Diana and Steve. Steve's shirtless in all the in the two pages of preview and Diana's like you know, he's obviously shaken but she's like Oh, and she's looking at him, and she has these eyes that Nicola Scott is drawing her just so beautifully. 
and she just uh and he finds out that that in the preview it shows that he finds out the ship went down or, or the plane or whatever was in there and his friends the died yeah and so she just takes him and holds him as he mourns for his friends right. and i'm like oh this is going to be an interesting issue i might cry next week you know so yeah Beautiful, beautiful work. Yeah. Um, let's see. We have okay, so we got Action Comics nine sixty one, Wonder Woman number four. Um mm, Detective Comics. Yeah. Uh Superwoman number one. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That's some suicide squad characters. New, new Super Dash Man. Mm. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have mind if they just had a you know a, a Asian Superman, but no, they got an Asian Justice League, which is a bit too much, if you ask me. It's it's too much. I feel like it's it's such a money grab from me, and such a it, it like yeah, the Asian Justice League, blah blah blah. And I'm like, no 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 no. You should have just done Superman and Lainey Lang for the time being. Yeah. All-Star Batman, number one, is supposed to come out Wednesday as well. That's Scott Snyder's mm-hmm. book. Oh, the Flash is being chased by some shadowy creatures. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. More shadow people. More shadow people. Well, for a while there, was like, it's all shadow people. What is with the shadow people? Yeah. Oh, that's why I was looking for the shadow... That's why I was looking for Superman Truth, because... The shadow people were there. Right. That action comics. Yep. Oh, Red Hood and the Outlaws? No, we don't do that. (laughs) We don't do that. Oh. Well, we better wrap this up because we're going to probably get cut off. Yep, yep. Okay, so (laughs) next week, Superwoman number one was starring superpowered Lois Lane. Uh, Yay, finally. Holly's been waiting for her. <laughs> yeah. Action 961 and uh, All-Star Batman number one and maybe The Flash and Wonder Woman number four, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, everybody have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Night, Tej. Mm-hmm. Thanks for a great show. Thank you for doing all that rabbit hole research, yeah. <laughs> oh, and for dragging me with she you. She pops on at the beginning, and sometimes she's like, I can just see her, like, I'll get the tape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She she hears what we're talking about. She's like, Oh no, they went down another rabbit hole. Yeah, I'll, I'll check it later. <laughs> yeah. So hey, Wendy Sue, and good night. Yeah, we love you, Wendy Sue. <laughs> night. 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 Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.